Hello everybody and welcome to Dragged into Turbo Lasers, a miniature wargaming podcast from the people behind the blog Between the Bolter and Me. And today's episode is actually part two of some interviews we conducted at Under the Dice Fest. So with that, sit back and enjoy. everybody we're back we're at the under the dice fest 2024 this is day number two yesterday was the mordheim open and here we are talking to scott scott amancer scott we talked to you a little bit yesterday but some of that was hijacked by shane from somber arcane talking about dungeon synth um and maybe getting away from what most of this weekend was about, was about playing games and painting miniatures and stuff. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm excited to be here, excited that maybe it's a little bit more low-key today. There are still a bunch of people, um, but maybe not quite as loud, not quite as packed. But So I see that you brought uh, Warhammer Quest along the last time I... Uh, saw you in Virginia. You showed me how to play Warhammer Quest, and that was something that I wish that I maybe had played when I was younger. But it's great to have started it oh, eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Warhammer Quest and Hero Quest. That was. Uh, oh, I guess you showed me how to play Hero Quest. It's all right. The, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, most definitely. I always, yeah, you usually find me just trying to rock a Zargon and trying to play some Hero Quest or getting one to play Hero Quest. That's, I, th- I think that's a really important game, especially in this community. So I feel Yeah, very much so. And I, Certainly, I think a lot of people, it maybe it was their introduction to miniature gaming, or at least they maybe saw it at, well, I don't know about stores. I don't know. Where would that have even been sold? Like, because Hero Quest was... Milton Bradley, where they were the ones that sold it, so that was probably more readily available. Whereas Warhammer Quest was probably the sort of thing you bought it at, like a distinct hobby store or like Games Workshop, where maybe uh, Hero Quest you could get it Kmart or something. Yeah, Hero Quest was um, it, it was more focused towards like kind of the children demographic, and so Milton Bradley and Games Workshop came together to try to figure out how can they sell minis and make a really cool board game and that uh, Hero Quest was kind of like you can pick it up at Toys R Us or any other sort of like retailer Toys R Us RIP yeah. so, I mean maybe it's <laughs> they're, back they're in some capacity okay okay and uh, but yeah and uh, Hero or, I mean not Hero uh, Warhammer Quest it was very much like a GW standalone project yeah. so they so they were just selling that and like where they would want it to be sold well, and I guess I wonder then, so Hero Quest, the price point was probably a little bit lower, such that people wouldn't be immediately turned off. As I would say, the notion with a lot of people who don't play board, a lot of board games, like they're accustomed to, like Monopoly, you can probably get for $20 or something. 
and they would probably balk at the notion of seeing a board game that's 50 or more dollars. Though I guess now the Games Workshop's games are a lot more than $50. But so probably HeroQuest was more affordable, I would think. Uh, I mean, that was a long time ago, so. I think it was more affordable. I, I, it's most certainly, as far, I, I don't have the exact MSRP from 1989, but I, it would be, um, I think it would have been slightly cheaper, a little bit more inviting of a price uh, tag for it, so to actually get parents to buy it for their kids or other individuals who are just fans of Games Workshop to buy it, so. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it did have a lot of neat models and stuff in there, so it probably couldn't have been super cheap. No. But, um, and so when did you get introduced to those games? Was it through HeroQuest? Uh, it, it pretty much was through HeroQuest, but what it was originally was that my uncle had a very half-assed box of hero quest it didn't it didn't even have all the cards it had half the models i don't even think it had the board but i opened it up because i found it on accident and i thought this was like the coolest thing ever and it wasn't were they even painted the, no you, no they yeah, were yeah, not yeah. half of them were broken and yeah. i just i was immediately like this is like the coolest thing i've ever seen ever so yeah and that kind of triggered it and so that was kind of my introduction to hero quest and how old were you at that time whereabouts i, I was probably like Seven six. Oh, so that's pretty young. Yeah. Um. And then from there, I know you certainly have a complete copy now. But like, how long did it take? Did you try to play it with with that old, like, largely incomplete copy? Or no, that uh, my I can't even remember what happened to it. I think my uncle took it whenever he moved out. Um. Uh, he he was living with my grandma at that time. He, and I think he took his copy back. But then uh, to to get to where I'm at now, that took uh, that took I would probably say about twenty some years to actually finally have a full copy of yeah. it. Well, so you saw all those the, the cool models and stuff. Did that lead to other miniature stuff? Like I'm mean, obviously it did in some capacity. But before you eventually got a complete copy of HeroQuest and played a bunch of HeroQuest, did you? acquire things that maybe were more easily available at the time and I guess you were seven or eight you said so you probably didn't have a ton of disposable income to go buy a bunch of stuff no my my I think mine was mostly like nickel and dime kind of uh I would go to garage sales like around local areas and have 50 cents or I would have a dollar and I would pick up um and let's see I would pick up probably one or two like warrior like just like some sort of imperial pewter mini or something like that i slowly started collecting to try to and then that eventually turned into yes and would you say that painting is your primary focus or and maybe we even talked about this at the virginia event but my memory's bad that's no, all right uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I primarily focus on uh, painting. I roll for shit whenever I do play. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I really, um, I really, really prefer painting. I just, I'm all about it, especially trying to capture that old school '80s sort of aesthetic of like, I, I don't know how to describe it, like the golden years of like. Well, so are game. you about the bright goblin green base and fighting on like the perfect, perfectly manicured lawn of? The Imperium or and or the old world is that 
I never got to experience that, but I always saw pictures in Citadel journals or like White Dwarfs or anything, and I saw that, and I was like, damn, if I could, I would. But Yeah, because um, my brothers and I, we bought the second edition Warhammer 40,000 box game towards the end of the second edition, so most of the pictures in those books are painted models. But Goblin Green bases, like nicely flocked, and it maybe didn't quite evoke the grim darkness that the universe was supposed to be or what it was presented as in like the background material and in some of the artwork wasn't quite the same as those bright nicely painted models um, but they hold a special place in my heart all of that imagery so with your painting do you branch out between a bunch of different like miniature sculptors like presumably it's not just GW stuff no I uh, I branch out as much as I can whenever uh, whenever I uh, do try to paint I've got I have a catalog of several hundred miniatures from several hundred individuals and besides that in my back catalog of my Mordheim warband that is not complete uh, so I, yeah I have a slew from a whole bunch of sculptors or other companies and stuff like that. So I never, I think that would be incredibly boring if you just had one like, yeah. thing that you would paint all the time. And I feel that's a thing now with the hobby. There are so many different sculptors and more independent people putting out their work. When I started in the hobby, we were buying Games Workshop models, we were buying Games Workshop paints, Games Workshop brushes, and I think that's maybe the way a lot of people start, because, I mean, unless you have other people showing you stuff, well, I guess now the internet, it's a lot easier to maybe find information about that, but if you haven't been into it, I mean, you go to a Games Workshop store and they have all what you would technically need, but there's a lot more cool things out there beyond just Games Workshop. Almost oh, definitely. The, my, my first starting set was a tester's uh, uh, enamel kit. Yes. And that was and and that that was when I learned about you shouldn't really play with mineral spirits yes. or <laughs> Yes. Um and before we even got into the painting miniatures and stuff, like my mother used to like paint little wooden wooden carvings of like Santas and stuff, and we had just had a whole bunch of like cheap apple barrel paints, um, and we probably had some like testers paints too from like painting model cars and stuff and like military planes and whatnot. So probably a lot of people have or have had a similar experience with that. And well, now that is there a brand of paint? that you prefer or largely will use? Um, the one that I would large... I, I guess the one I would largely use now, um, I really... I really like their colors and I really like their pigments and I, I really, really... I like them a lot. It would probably be uh, AK Interactive okay. yeah. uh, paints. I really like those. Uh, there's that, but then... It's kind of up in the air with that, and then Vallejo model color and stuff yeah. like that. I love them. That's um, Eric. When with your painting, what what paints do you largely move towards? 
Um, is it Vallejo model stuff? Vallejo is what I certainly started out and did the most of, but now I have some pro acryl ones as well that have been really nice. But so I'd say primarily Vallejo and pro acryl. And I mean, I have some GW stuff, but those pro acryl is quite nice. And they also have a line of really nice washes. They have a, a, a black, a brown, and like a flesh wash that are nice. They are pretty matte. They don't pool and like leave the like tide marks and such, which yeah are just nicer than the GW washes I've had. Which a lot of my experience before with washes was that if you're putting on a wash, you're probably just going to fuck up the model and then need to completely repaint whatever you put the wash on. But the Pro Acryl ones are actually work. Like the first time I've had that experience. I mean, I'm not much of a painter, but a few years ago I tried to paint some cheap Mantic models and whatnot, and I was largely using Vallejo stuff. Um, but I guess I didn't paint enough to be able to say too much about my opinions on different paints. But when we started, and probably for the first 15 years of doing stuff with the hobby, we just had all Citadel stuff. And I guess when we started, we there, YouTube wasn't a thing, and like we didn't thin our paints, we didn't know anything about that. But now, now it's a lot, or information is a lot more readily available oh, yeah. for lots of that stuff. And it's all about just trying, and uh, that's another thing, looking at those old Citadel journals or old like miniature uh, uh, journals that you'll see, like a lot of these old school uh, artists that are like Golden Demon holders and stuff uh, are like a lot of their art probably wouldn't even get finalists nowadays back in the yeah. day. And so now, like the the amount of information, the amount of techniques, and the advancements in paints and other things that people use to paint are so incredibly advanced now. Now, now that we can get like ridiculously smooth, the smoothest transitions for NNMs or anything yeah. like that. Like it's. So it's no longer. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see some of, like, the old Golden Demon winners and stuff, which, I mean, are still great. Yep. But compared to what is winning now, like, they probably wouldn't have even placed. No. Um, but you got to so, start somewhere. And, and these guys I do are... kind of feel that probably there was a time that a lot of the Golden Demon entries were people that were also just playing the games. So they were painting them to use them. And there's still certainly a lot of that now, oh, yeah. but they're also professional painters that they're spending 400 hours painting a single model, which is cool and stuff, but they're probably not painting them to play games. No. Nah. But, but that's all right. It's, it, 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 I think that's the most important thing is just actually getting just paint on the miniature is probably the most important part of it. It doesn't... I don't know. Whether you pay, play with it or not, if you can just put it in the cabinet or just show it off to your friends, that's usually the, yeah. usually the best part. And I guess there's also nothing wrong with having a huge backlog of unpainted stuff. <laughs> but it's nice to have bought a thing and then do something with it. Oh, yeah. Just think about it. Like It doesn't have to get done right there, right now. But just think about it and then... Try to control yourself whenever yes. the next big thing comes along. Yeah, because, I mean, 
my brothers and I are at the point where we have so much shit, like we're just trying to give it away. Yeah. Um, but perhaps to pivot a little bit, yesterday you were wearing a t-shirt from Isolation Man, yes. today you're wearing a t-shirt from Isolation Man, and I guess for people who are listening, Isolation Man is the screen, I guess it's screen printing, screen printing operation of Dylan Walker, who's the singer slash vocalist to the Maryland, Maryland, Pennsylvania area band Fool of Hell. Um, they're kind of like a grindcore-ish uh, metal band. And he also has a noise project called Sore Dream. But anyway, he screen prints t-shirts and stuff. Um, Isolation Man's the name of the operation. And he's done a lot of cool t-shirts. Oh, yeah. A bunch of them are like J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings-inspired stuff. But other certainly films and stuff that he liked like he, John Carpenter's The Thing yeah and, and he's got that new one out from uh, No Country for Old Men oh yeah oh, and that that probably rubbed people a little what? bit the wrong way I love it I'm, um, I'm all about it so yeah it's a No Country for Old Men the Cormac McCarthy <laughs> book but this is a picture from the film where if people have seen the film towards the beginning of the film Javier Bardem um strangles a police officer to death and this is it's a it's a shirt that has a picture of that scene strangling the police officer to death and it says no country old men on the top and on the bottom i think it's something along like speak to uh, police in uh, a language they understand yeah like speak a language that they'll understand or, or something, something yeah. like that so that i'm sure will rub some people the wrong way i'm all about it though. um it's pretty but good. yes yes um, and you were telling me he had a Tom Waits one a while yeah, back. Yeah, he, he had a Tom Waits shirt. Um, I know I have a copy of it. I got one for my brother Adam. I'll have to dig it out somewhere. Yeah, I want to see it. Like, that's, uh, I, I do love me some Tom Waits. That's Yeah, but so before he had Isolation Man, he was still screen printing stuff. And he would just advertise them on his Instagram account. Yeah. And if you wanted one, you could reach out to him. But... Now it feels like it's a pretty big operation. I mean, it's still yeah. just him, I believe. But it's out of his garage. Yeah. And he's making all the shirts that he wishes that somebody else made. Yeah. And really good designs. Like, he has quite the eye for that. So, yeah, just love all that stuff. If you like cool T-shirts about either cool lit works of literature or cool films, like, you'd probably like some of, the, some of his stuff. Um, you got to be quick about it too. Those things sell out immediately as soon as he drops them. So it's yeah. Though he's at least for the Lord of the Rings ones, he's yeah. been reprinting them over and over, or quite a few times. Yeah. Like just yesterday, though, at the Nemo event, saw a bunch of people wearing. I know the Lord his Lord of the Rings shirts. Like you are wearing the a Tom Bombadil one, yep. and there was somebody else wearing that shirt. Um, uh, and then yep. There was another gentleman wearing a tree beard one. Yeah, the tree beard one, um, and so the Dungeon Synth band Somber Arcane. The one of the members of said band, not Shane, because we talked to Shane yesterday. The other member of the band, which their name escapes me at the moment, he was wearing an Isolation oh, Man shirt. Okay. Um, I think it had a ring wraith on it. Yes, or, yes, I remember now. Yes. Yeah. And I don't remember the text on said shirt, 
But I, I think mean, most it was, of it's on. If there is any, I think it's on the back. But he was yeah, wearing the yeah. jacket, so you can. Really yeah. See. So yeah. But so great to see lots of people representing yeah. Isolation Man. Um, I mean, you're wearing an Isolation Man shirt of a, like the goblin. It's like the Circle this, Jerks goblin. Yeah, dude. the Circle Jerks sort of punk dance thing. Um, it's pretty rad. So find Isolation Man on Instagram. He has a big, uh, I think it's a big cartel. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and on Instagram, too. Yeah, He's, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and Dylan's account is the Vault of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Though there's two E's in the word the, the Vault of Heaven. And whether that was a spelling mistake or just the I'm Vault sure of it was Heaven was already handle. taken. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everybody should check that out. It's awesome. Great plug for Isolation Man. Yes. <laughs> um, so you have... Uh, Hero Quest today. Before we started talking, you have that all set up, hoping to get some games of that in, or perhaps introduce some new people to it. I am. I, I wholeheartedly believe that everyone should at least try. Well, I guess everyone in this hobby should at least try to play at least one quest of Hero Quest, just to just to experience it and just. I really understand why it was such a pinnacle game to kind of really start a lot of first-time hobbyers' experience. Yeah, and I mean, now my brothers and I have been in the hobby for like 25 years, and, well, I just played it recently with you, and it's great. Like, I can see why it has the staying power. Um, Pretty simple, but not overly so. And simple enough that if you are young, you could learn the rules and probably play it at least close to right. Oh yeah, and then it and uh, well, with myself, I I've, I've made a few changes for myself yeah. to make the game a little bit more uh, and and more of an investment for people to actually come back instead yes. of just like I want to finish the book. Now it's very much. You guys are going to be collecting gold, killing monsters, and getting items and stuff. So it's. A little bit more, uh, I guess, a little bit more you can be focused on what you want to obtain or, you know, yeah. actually do some adventuring into the dungeon instead of uh, where's this damn final room so we can finish this kind of thing. But it, but that was kind of what started it is that it, it's a great game to pick up, put down, and then you can just change the rules to what you want. And it's very much, if it's cool and if it's fun, do it. I mean, have you done a... I know you, we were just talking about you making some modifications to make it more compelling. Have you done any additional, like, design characters and monsters and stuff for some of these games, whether it be Hero Quest or Warhammer Quest or any of that? Uh, I've been focusing more on Hero Quest in terms of changing some rules around. What it would mostly be would be... Um Later in the book, I start implementing that uh, some monsters have different rules or different abilities. And same thing with your hero. As your hero progressively gets, I guess, uh, stronger or gets better equipment, you'll slowly start to pick up different abilities, and the monsters will as well. Um, just to, you know, just instead of you know fighting the same mob over and over again, hey, now we're introducing a new mechanic to this. Yeah. Um, to you know, just change it up. But again, the the, the very first couple uh, dungeons are probably. I'd, I'd try to stick the same because I don't want to spook like, anybody away or yeah. anything like that. I don't want to. I want them to be comfortable with it, and then slowly I'll progress the game into. And also, it's cool to see 
the sort of scenario that if you had got the game back yes. in, not, it was 1989? 1989. Or, so that was a pretty long time ago. If you got the game in 1989, this was the scenario yes. you would be playing. Um, yeah, so I think that's cool. Um, I mean, were you alive in 1989? I was not. Okay, I, I'm so 1993. 19, okay, so my brothers and I were 1986, so we uh, were alive. I was about to say, you guys could have picked so, yourself up a brand yeah. new copy. <laughs> yeah, so we were alive, but we didn't know about it. Like, our introduction to miniature stuff was there was a comic store in the town where we went to uh, school, and there was a big cardboard cutout of a Blood Angel Space Marine, and we just thought that was awesome. Yeah. And we got some models. We were probably eight or nine. But when we were 12, we eventually saved up like $100 to buy the second edition Warhammer 40,000 box game. And then we were well, on Was that uh, Black, Blackstone Fortress or which one was that one? Well, no, the, the second edition Warhammer 40,000 oh, game. Okay. So it had... The Blanche picture of a Space Marine pointing the yellow yeah. bolt gun and had a power fist. That game, which had 20 Space Marines in it of the identical posed Space Marines, 40 little orc like Gretchen models that were exactly the same, 20 orcs just standing there exactly the same. Who was and who? I had the orcs. Yeah. Um, and Eric got the Space Marine stuff, and eventually Adam ended up getting a bunch of Imperial Guards. So I was always the Orc dude. Eric was always Space Marines, and Adam, Imperial Guard, and that eventually merged into, like, Demon Hunter sort of <laughs> stuff. But now we're not building armies. We don't have the desire to build 2,000-point armies and play mediocre games. I think that's why we like Mordheim. Yeah. <laughs> a lot that's smaller. Right. Smaller, and each model is kind of like a character in yeah. and of itself. So it's not you're building 30. Drone number two. Or, correct. Yeah. Or building four squads of basically the same thing. So, yeah, it's a little bit more compelling and also less of a time commitment. But, so, did, had you, how much Mordheim have you played? Like, did you play Mordheim back in the day? Uh, I have played all of half a game of Mordheim. Oh, yeah. And then it was interrupted way back in the day. And then I, and then I was uh, enlisted into the army. And then after that, I came out. And then I had a whole bunch of time to, or I wouldn't say I had time. I had to go to school and, you know, try to, you know, make a different way in the world. Yeah, and yeah. so that kind of really constricted how much time I was actually able to put into, uh, like, into a hobby. But eventually, once I got my feet grounded and everything, I was actually finally able to come back to the hobby. And so now uh, I have not picked up a game of Warheim in several years. Yeah. I am slowly building my Witch Hunter Warband. Uh, and hopefully I'll have that complete, hopefully, by either Adepticon or next Mordheim event. All right. That, or, I mean, Adepticon is pretty soon, right? Yes. I, I, <laughs> I got to do a lot of painting. But yeah. I'm <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, with that, perhaps I'll let you go, and you can help show people the joy of HeroQuest. Most definitely. Well, 
thanks a lot. Thank you for having me on. Yep, keep on keeping on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks. All right, everybody, we're back. Second day of the Under the Dice Fest. We're here with Martin McCoy. Hey, happy to be back. Happy to be at the second day, trying to rally. What time is it? I don't even know. It's probably not that late. It's already 1130. Yeah, it's 1133. It is a snowy, cold day here up in New England. It drove an hour and a half to get here, getting snowed on the whole time. Very black metal. Yeah, it's yeah. actually coming down pretty heavily now. The, the very black metal thing reminds me of one time Adam and I, when we were in Pittsburgh, we saw Immortal. They played at an old church. I in mean, Mill it was Vale? A, yeah. Mill Vale, yeah. you know, yeah, Mr. Smalls. Yeah. You know Mr. Smalls. I've never been there, but oh, okay, I've heard okay, but about yeah, that's I've been it. in Millville. Um, yeah, Mr. Smalls Theater. It was an old church that's been a venue for a while. But we went to see Immortal, not because we loved Immortal, but they were there and it seemed like a thing to do. Um, And it snowed like hell. Like, by the time we got back to our car, there was probably three inches of snow on our car. So, so like, it was very appropriate. Uh Yeah. Very appropriate. And all the roads were awful. Like, I don't think they were expecting it. And, And, like, we probably shouldn't have been driving. (laughs) But we did. We we got back. It was fine. fine. Nothing's more grim and evil than a car accident yeah. after a mortal show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so it was very appropriate for for a mortal. Yeah. I living in the deep south for ten years. Now I'm in Richmond. We don't get like doesn't seem like we'll get much snow, but being up here and I get really excited about snow and it especially gets me like black metal excited. Mm-hmm. It just like brings out a full black metal dork in my brain where I want to wear a cloak. I mean, I have always been excited about snow because, like, growing up in Pennsylvania, it wouldn't snow a ton, but every winter time it would snow, and it would usually mean there'd be one or two days where we'd get off from school because the buses couldn't drive through. So part of the excitement is remembering getting off of school and not having... But now, even if it snows a bunch, I'm still trying to get to work, but I still love it. Yeah. It brings me back to like my college days or like late high school. I was trying to put together this photo project of like black metal nerd. It was like kind of serious, but like artsy photography. Yeah. And my friend and I found like a a dead roadkill deer, and we like strung it up and wore masks and cut it up and took photos of that. And then like I like stood in this very cold lake as it snowed while holding candles, like trying to. You know, trying to be a real sincere black metal yeah. artist. Yeah, like that sounds close to perfect for <laughs> yeah. what they well, would be And doing. I feel like a lot of those black metal photos and stuff, they're trying super hard to be serious, but maybe it's hard to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're really trying. One of the and fun... So good on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just putting yourself out there and being that sincere, I kind of love. Um, yeah. One of the joys of cutting that deer up was that we like had never dressed a deer before so we didn't know what we were doing and we like punctured its oh, lower no. intestines like immediately yeah so it stunk so bad we like yeah. were almost throwing up the entire photo shoot which is pretty pretty wretched oh well, hopefully none of you hurt yourself or cut yourself no that's neither good. of us died from blood poisoning that's yeah. good because I know like some people like cut themselves and then get like Lyme disease yeah, and I stuff knew like that. Yeah, somebody got Lyme disease oh, from no. cutting the deer and then cutting themselves. Yeah, so awful. it's yeah. yeah. 
Not great. Not grimdark. No. Uh, maybe it's kind of grim. <laughs> um, so you guys are showing some Vastarian boards by uh, Matt totally not panicking and Bill Ford. That's yeah. right. And we're, I mean, they're here. We have models. We're hoping to play some games on Yeah, that's um, awesome. And maybe other people will bring warbands to play, but if they don't, I mean, we have warbands to play. So Have you hopefully. guys already talked about Vestarian a lot on this recording so far? No. What's, you wanna... I, don't, I don't think we've talked about it too terribly much. I don't even know. Recording. I've only been here today. So. I mean, I was the one doing most of the recordings, and I don't quite remember. Okay. But for the people who are listening to this that might not be familiar with it, Vestarian is a Warhammer 40,000 setting that we're trying to develop about a particular particular cathedral world where there are all sorts of different crazy imperial cults and they're finally getting at arms with one another and fighting one another because of some widespread psychic disturbance. Yeah. And basically the idea was to just get people together to think about the Imperium and the religion and make weird religious cults. It's awesome. I'm showing, like I did two illustrations for the setting mm -hmm. that you guys commissioned and I'm showing prints of them over at my table. I'm like tabling some art this weekend and I've had a lot of people like come up to me and talk about those pieces of Vestarian and what they're planning on doing with their cults. And it just, like especially having just done Hondius, that narrative event, like I feel like you guys are doing it so well. Like the invi open invitational, like here's the general world. You can contribute in your own way. Here's the invitation of how you do that. Uh, it's just really excellent. It feels like such a, like a perfect encapsulation of the hobby of like welcoming people in and being like, let's all do things together, but in our own separate way. That's, that's good. I'm happy to hear that because that's sort of, a lot of the drive behind it and at the same time also trying to encourage just yeah, as many people to get involved as possible in sort of whatever sense you want to whether that's doing artwork um making music um really anything yeah and we've tried to encourage people it doesn't really matter what rule set you want to play with whatever you're most comfortable with that will work because ultimately we're hoping people use it as a means to yeah, explore the lore, come up with their own ideas, and maybe play a few games and just allow that to further explore the settings and everything. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent and well-executed idea. Like, I think watching events in Europe happen, they're, they're so cool, and it's hard not to feel FOMO. And yeah. like Rich Grimmond was... Or the Hondius event was like, I wanted it to be inclusive, and even if you weren't there, we, we like put out the PDF of the rules, and like tried to explain what the setting was so people could do it. Yeah. And I think you guys are taking that next step where it's like, you could be in the UK, and you yeah. can still play it and like share and post, even if you don't play. If you're just doing conversions, like, I think that's really like the next step of what I would like to see more narrative events oh. be, to be that inviting you know? yeah. so I feel now that the three of us have been involved with Inc. 28 sort of stuff for a while one of the big things that 
we saw a lot of, particularly in the early days, was people thinking the scene was a little bit um, elitist and hard to get into, and people were seeing all these really, really cool events and wondering, like, wow, how could I get involved in that? Or, like, I could never be part yeah. of something like that. And the community, the Inc. 28 community, I think, is very welcoming, but you wouldn't necessarily know that. And what we've been trying to do with it is show that, yes, you can do stuff. Please try to do stuff. And a lot of people who maybe aren't familiar with the Inc. 28 scene, they are coming from more of the gaming aspect. Yeah. And one thing that we saw all the time with Inc. 28 stuff was like, what rule system are you using? Like, what rules? Because if you're coming from Warhammer 40,000 or the gaming side of things, that's what you know. The notion of converting just random cool things that maybe don't have rules for them might be a little bit foreign to you. So we really want to get it that just use the rules that you like and you're familiar with because ultimately it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I think you guys like encouraging Necromunda and Minigate, Minigangs mm -hmm. by, that's made by Ramshackle yeah, Games? Yeah, Rams, Curtis from Ramshackle yeah. Games. Having like Games. Like mentioning both systems every time, I think really drives that idea home that there is no like official yeah. way to do it. It's like figure out the game that you want to play and play it in. You could play Kill Team if yeah. that's what you're familiar with. You could play like a Mordheim hack. And even like if you like Fifth Edition D and D, you could totally. do an RPG session. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool to think about. Like it doesn't have to be miniature game stuff really no not really and i sort of think um moving forward with everything we're hoping to eventually have several different events and i think it would be neat to have sort of different gaming aspects related to it maybe even before people meet up like have a few rpg sessions to sort of get people familiar with the different oh, yeah. characters yeah. and the settings and stuff. And I think that could be a neat way to explore some of that and get people into sort of the mood of the setting and the narrative. I think that also opens up like leaning on some of the real like talent and passion that is in the community that sometimes doesn't get played with as much. Like I know Gage like does a lot of No Clear Coat does a lot of DMing. Yeah. I think Shane the Blind Man also DMs a lot like Maybe they're people who, well, I think Gage plays a lot. I don't know about Shane, but, like, don't necessarily play in a bunch of, like, gaming narrative events, but yeah. have, like, a lot to contribute and, like, a cool voice to, like, get in there. and. Oh, yeah, and I, yeah, I think in general having different ways to approach it and because, I mean, certainly my gaming experience and what I typically think about is very different from other people. And having those different perspectives, I think, could introduce a lot of very cool and interesting ways to approach things. Yeah. Which, one of, sort of related to that, like the artwork you did for Vastarian, I think is very neat in that it's, there are so many different cults sort of represented there, most of which there's not really a lot of background and stuff for it. And I think it's a neat way for people to come in and see that, like, oh, wow, what is this? And then it's sort of, well, you can sort of make it what you want. Like, yeah. you could maybe be inspired by one of the characters you drew, Martin, and, and like, create a whole little war band 
and background based on that. Yeah, or I, my hope is also that you could just imagine the next guy in the procession who is like out of the frame. You're like, yeah. oh, I can see these guys. I can kind of picture who would be standing next to him. Uh, I think that's really fun and cool. Yeah, it just like fires up a lot of creativity and, and sharing in a very fun way. Uh, and I'm trying to get you guys to do a, a noise project with me, <laughs> like or, mixing up Gregorian chants and bells and uh, well, so what noise. I would very much like to do, and I've been thinking about it. And I mean, we mentioned I talked to you a little bit about it yesterday. We want to make an, at least one other Fasterian cult that we came up with, and I would like it to be something with noise and oh, harsh yeah, noise yeah. Uh -huh. and incorporate my experimenting with that sort of stuff into Vastarian. And I think that would be pretty neat. Yeah, like, why not venerate the Emperor with the most miserable sounding yeah, feedback uh -huh. and noise? Yeah. Yeah. Searing noise. And you were talking about how, like, they be might believe that they're hearing the voice of the Emperor in, like, discordant, horrible noise. And how, like, that's, I love that. That's so well, sick. They like, are hearing that. They don't just believe yeah. that. Oh, yeah. They know. Yeah. Yeah. They know they are. And if you lived in, like, a horrible industrial hellscape, like, yeah. you would hear just, so even much. Even if you're not creating that noise, the din of the environment, it's just constant. Yeah, there, like in the un the underhives, but beneath the perhaps beautiful cathedrals and stuff, it's just a grinding, miserable <laughs> yes. place. We've been staying with Tyler of Tyler is all right at painting, and we were talking to his girlfriend, who's a park ranger at like mm -hmm. a, a mill town in this area, and uh, they, it's still like a, a functioning mill to a degree. They have like a quarter of the looms. It's like one of like on a canal, and they were yeah. normally a turbine mm -hmm. running with a water mill, and they were like spinning cloth, and they have like a quarter of those looms still running. And she's saying like, when they're running, they're so loud, wow. like you cannot speak, yeah. and that's a quarter of what like on a normal day would always be running. Well, yeah, Just so like that's deafening. an interesting thing. Like as we're, I'm trying to think of a way to develop this this noise cult. Like it could even be something where a bunch of them are from some factory or mill sort of thing where the noise is just ever-present. Um, well, I mean, if this being on a cathedral world, I'm sure there are lots of factions and stuff that all they do is prepare and make, like, the robes and yeah. cloth and stuff. For paper mill to make holy parchments. Yeah. yeah. What is writing. a... Knuckle Bones has a, a cult... That's like something very mundane, kind of like that, right? Have um, you seen that? I yeah, I think that is true. Um, I can't now, think me... about what they're built around. Well, if you're listening to this, you should check it out. I think <laughs> yeah. it's like this. They like do wax stamps, or they. Make I was the gonna say like candles yeah, and other yeah. stuff like that, because you would imagine all of that would be in high demand. Uh -huh. <laughs> I really want like one of the things that, running Hanius that I really wanted to do more. And I'm just saying this publicly so I can try and pressure the wires into doing it with me. Is with Hondius, it felt like there were all these opportunities to like hit the different senses while telling the story of like burning incense or having like specific sounds kind of like mixed into the music you're playing or whatever. To like, and like when I did the intro spiel about like, okay, everybody, hey, welcome to Hondius. We're gonna like 
I'm kind of setting the scene and then we're going to play the first game. Like, I should have been in costume and I should have been <laughs> speaking through like a voice coder that was distorted and dressed up as like an adeptus priest. That's my big regret. I mean, that would have been pretty rad. Um, there will be opportunities in the future, though, I yeah. think. I want to, to get a costume and dress up for some Vesterian thing and have, like, a, a sensor. I mean, that would be awesome. And, it, hell, like, with the noise idea, I would like to get it where whether I'm playing some noise bullshit during a game or something uh-huh. or trying to be one of said cultists while generating the noise. <laughs> like, I would like that. Yeah. I would very much like that. Um, and that would encourage me to try to do more with the noise stuff. Yeah. As with everything, it's maybe hard to find the time to do all the things that you want. I feel like that's a great way to lead by example as well, where you're like, you're engaging with the world in your particular niche that you're like, maybe I don't game aggressively all the time, but I do do noise. I do this version of it. For me, it's art. For you, it's noise. Well, and you see, that's like, of my brothers and I, like, I don't build models much I don't paint things and it would be fun to take something that I am involved with and try to incorporate it into the setting in the hobby and help show people that it isn't necessarily just building models Uh and playing games and that you can get involved in that way if you're a really bad cook you could make like horrible Vestarian communal wafers that are like mostly sawdust (laughs) that's true make a recipe of just like a pretty miserable meal I like the notion of imagining really mundane aspects of imperial life and thinking about how there's probably something pertaining to that on Viserion um well, so yeah, the knucklebone miniatures things. He, they've already created a few models and stuff, and I, I think they are focused around making candles and yes. oil and all yeah. stuff like that. So, all things that I think they would have a high demand for all of that, all that sort of votive, maybe sort of needless stuff, but is sort of ingrained in their existence. Where does, where does it come from? Yeah. Where does it come from? Um, yeah, so they're very cool. Yeah. That's inspired. I really like that. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else you're is that like the majority of your bandwidth as a, a triplet set? Um so the Vestarian stuff is a lot of what we're working on, but then I guess we're still heavily involved with the 28 magazine and stuff yeah. like that. So, well, so we're, are you, Martin, at least doing a bunch of cool artwork. Maybe you I yeah. have certainly done a lot. I haven't done anything past. recently, but I do need to illust- like I've got at least one article on this coming yeah. issue I have to illustrate, which I think I'm going to it's like a lore article talking about accepting like non-canonical lore and just being cool with it. Yeah. Um, and it's art that I will definitely like draw in a way that can be repurposed for Vesteria. Yeah, good. Well, that would be awesome. Um, 
I mean, Adam, you have been slowly trying to sculpt the goblin for 28 Magazine's miniature line. My no, yeah, so that's true. Um, it's still in maybe the very beginning phases. Like, I've, I've made the armature, started sculpting, like, the body and legs and everything, and then I always just ke keep getting pulled away to other things. So that's something that I would like to mostly finish this year. So yeah, I think those are the main things, but then... I want to record a noise album, an EP or something, and put it on Bandcamp. Fuck yeah. That's what I want to do. It wouldn't be bad if it was named yeah, so Vesterian. It, it could pertain to Vasterian. It very well could do that. Do you guys ever feel like you like create compulsively almost too much? Like, I mean, you guys, you do the blog, you work on 28, you're working on Vesterian, sculpting, making noise. Like, I've been thinking about it more lately. Like, I feel like I don't do anything. Oh, really? And I don't, I, maybe I don't want to speak for Adam, but he probably feels something like he's involved in so many things and doesn't have the time to put as much effort into each thing as he would like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of always it's always like that and I feel I'm always agreeing to do other things as well so um, yeah it can be hard to yeah. kind of prioritize and make time to do all the things that you would like to do and think you need to do well and now that Vestarian's been introduced to the world it seems like a, a lot of other people are excited about it and want to see more with it so it feels like alright we need to yeah. keep up yeah. with it yeah. whereas it was something we were thinking and interested about doing for a while but didn't want to present it until we felt like we had a reasonable amount of stuff to present with it knowing that if people did get interested in it they'd probably want us or want to see more of it yeah and maybe we wouldn't have more to I've, show. I've just been thinking a lot more lately about like my own creative workaholism and if anybody's listening to this and has any advice on how to learn how to relax and not yeah. figure out how to turn everything into some creative endeavor, uh, hit me up. I spend too much time at my actual occupation. Oh, yeah. I, by the time I'm done with that, I just am enervated and don't have the drive to do things. My other occupation is tattooing, so it's just like so much bleed over. Yeah, it's, it's very hard much to... of a creative thing yeah. in that vein as well. The thing I do to relax is to draw, and then all of my drawings like then... can be justified in some work sense. So it's like... <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how do you try to wind down from maybe stressful situations or a stressful day of tattooing or something? Do you wind down? I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to, like, really not... Like, I just can't do art if I'm if I'm winding down. Like, it... Because I will find a way to make it, like, part of some other imagined project or thing that I'm excited about or, like, think that I kind of need to do. Uh, yeah, that's is, interesting. I sort of feel... 
I've certainly tried to, as I get roped into other things and things that I think I should be involved in, I've tried to force myself to make sure whatever it is to somehow connect it to something that I already wanted to do or was already working on such that it would at least further some of those ambitions and the things that I was working on because certainly with like the Ink 28 community and whatnot, if you're looking around on Instagram, it seems like every other week there's a new competition or event or something that like, wow, it'd be really cool if I uh-huh. did a thing related to that. And I think, yeah, for me, trying to find ways to just continue working on what I, what I wanted to do and somehow related to that was what I, what I tried to do, I guess. But yeah. I think that mentality is kind of like the slippery slope that yeah. gets me super committed to a lot of stuff and then like I've never been happier but I also just I need to learn how to relax a little bit and as we're, as we're saying this we're sitting next to a giant smash bash poster which is like a blinking beacon of like oh I want to do that that looks yeah, really no, fun. Yeah no that's true like well I'm hoping that I will I'm going to try and do something for that for totally not panic panicking's event um, and it will hopefully be Vastarian related yeah, so that's, a good idea. that's that's what I have to do <laughs> well perhaps we should let you get back to trying to sell some of your wares I'm going to try and get some game in hopefully something that doesn't take a bunch of my brain power yeah but uh thanks so much for talking to you guys yeah no it was great well good luck yeah thank you keep on keeping on yeah Yeah. and i'll see you guys soon yeah certainly all right everybody we're back second day of the under the dice fest 2024 i'm here right now with shane the blind man on the instagrams how you doing shane hello hello i'm feeling grim dark and tired i mean i would say the same for me Maybe more towards the tire than the grim. I'm I mean, definitely ev- a solid in between. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been pretty nice thus far. Maybe the miniatures and the games we're playing are grim, but the people seem to be yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, the shirt nice. design is grim. The yeah, lots of, lots of obscure metal and punk bands on people's T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that or the similar but just fantasy guys. Yes. Is that a Martin shirt or is that a metal band? Is really yes. the game to play. And, I mean, I was talking a little bit with Scott Amancer. A lot of people are wearing Isolation Man t-shirts. Like, the singer to Fool of Hell has a print shop and he does a lot of Lord of the Rings shirts. I've seen a ton of those Lord of the Rings yeah, Isolation Man shirts. I love when you come to such a specific niche that side hidden things are the mainstream shirt here. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that like normally I would never expect to see outside in public or at least not often and then you would come to an event like this and we see a lot of them. Oh yeah, a, a, cool. a lot of similar like-minded freaks. It's a good freak show. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's great. So, you have a bunch of the books that you've been working on for sale here. Um, Schmorgesborg, which is a Morkborg-compatible um, supplement. What can you tell me about how long have you been working on that and what was the inspiration to do it? So that uh, I've been working on for probably a little over a year and a half. Um, 
it's all cannibal absurd nonsense and it came mostly from a um, I'm a very much learn by doing kind of like creator and obviously I'm a big fan of the like indie weird zine stuff and because my bookshelf's full of it um, during like COVID and strikes like my day job just like completely halted so it finally gave me a lot of free time to like deep dive pursuit like other aspects of the hobby that I've just been a fan of right like I DM more than play and I do that all the time and I make art for fun anyway that it's like well let's figure out how this like format takes um, so the cannibal thing came more as a joke I was visiting my buddy, my buddy in Denmark and I was eating a smorgasbord at his house uh, which naturally leads to you know it would be awesome if we just make it cannibal instead you know uh, it's, it also worked really well with what I wanted out of the book which was like testing many different styles many different textures different uh, writing um, different layouts and as a smorgasbord it's all variety yeah. um, so it leans into that and is so weirdly horrific that it almost pushes it more niche so I'm like since this is my practice run if I make it super weird those who are going to be into it are going to love it no matter what yeah. it's, it's a lot of nonsense well so about talking about the pandemic and COVID and stuff for myself as well with the pandemic since I couldn't get together and see a lot of my normal friends I mean I started running some Morkborg games via Discord and stuff and I've done a little bit of role playing over the years but not a huge amount like a couple pickup games of D&D &D, and towards the end of high school a little bit of the Call of Cthulhu thing but Morkborg then during the pandemic was the longest I've ever ran and played some RPG stuff um, so uh, Morkborg has a special place in my heart for that and I like that it's pretty simple like Dungeons and Dragons, well, it's not super complicated. There's still a shit ton of rules that often don't come into play or matter. Oh, yeah. I actually feel completely similar in that. Even though I am a fan of the Morkborg world type, right? Like vague, uh, like setting guide, but just like a flavor guide. I like that. I think it's because of the rules that I play it so much. Because I have a lot of friends who aren't as into the grimdark as I am, right? But because similarly, I had to run a lot of games online... Uh, my attention span can only last so long doing an online game. Their attention span can only last so yeah. long. A game that the rules you can have on an index card is huge for them. Well, like, almost most of the people I played with had never really played an RPG yeah. before. So, and it didn't even matter. No, like, it's... it's didn't have to spend a long time doing character creation stuff. I mean, some people do like that, and it can be fun. But if the people have never played an RPG... Um, that can be harder and this like ultimately there are so few rules we could just start almost immediately and Morkborg has their character generators which they fortunately put on their website to just randomly generate interesting and unique characters so it was very easy oh yeah and I I particularly love the the style of that like incredibly rules light flavor heavy because even though I play it as Morkborg, it encourages you to just pick up these random weird books because you can easily take any Morkborg thing and mod it into whatever RPG you play. Yeah. Because it's all flavor forward and all of the mechanics in it are mostly just logic. Like, this is how it would work because that's how it would work. It's not a, well, it needs to be X or Y or like, well, certain magic uses or whatever. Like, a D&D &D thing is so granular. Like, there's very specific things that need to be balanced, very specific, like 
things that to pull a D&D like third party book or whatever and use it in a different system you have to rewrite the whole yes. thing this is just add a little bit more mechanics because the core logic of it already exists and I yeah. think that's super great and why I started kind of picking up those books because I although Morkboard's my favorite to like run for folks I love buying and playing as many different random weird yes. indie games as I can just because I, I, I love the variety I love seeing like the, the ways people push the games into the extreme directions whether the incredibly thematic and like rules almost non-existent games like Ten Candles which is a very atmospheric horror game that you play based with real Ten Candles as flames go out things are happening like you are dying yeah, yeah. actively and so I like testing all those things but yep. Morkboard is a solid middle ground of being abstract for those who like it but having the base structure there to add a little more yeah. if you want it more complicated um and I would say anybody interested in RPGs or miniature gaming or fan dark fantasy stuff, they should get the Morkborg book. Even if you have no desire to play an RPG, there's so much evocative, interesting things in there that if you read through it, you almost certainly will come away with some cool thing to maybe use in what you're doing. Exactly. And that because they, the book itself leans heavily into... Like just talking about the words here, not even the fact that it is mostly an art book, is that it's a lot of flavor text without exposition, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, and that's what I love about it. It lets you maybe imagine some of that stuff that instead of spending 30 pages describing the lore of this place and maybe these particular facts or something, maybe a, short, a couple sentences very evocative and just let you decide how it exactly. goes. Exactly, which is great for DMing because like, I, I like to improv DM in that as a super uh, varied schedule. It's like I'm ready to play on a moment's notice so I don't have a lot of prep time. Yeah, like, Games like that, I'm not having to balance like, okay, what is the actual canon, right? Like I love playing in like a Black Crusade but I won't DM a 40k RPG yeah. because there are set rules and there are yeah. set specific things that my mind can't just make something up on the fly. A more yeah. board you can because yes. it's just all flavor. Yeah. Um, so when you are, because looking at the Smorgasbord book, like immediate, it's like this reminds me of, of the Morkborg aesthetic. And I mean, it was made to be compatible. But when you made it, was the original thought like you wanted to make a Morkborg suitable thing? Yeah. So that, um, my style, like artistically, is incredibly eclectic incredibly rough um, but in a, a refined way because like I'm a sculptor at heart not an illustrator and I'm very impressed with illustrators because I don't have the patience for good pencil yeah. work so I like splatter painting I like charcoal I like pastel and collage and so I, I think I leaned into the Morkborg thing because seeing how popular that book was not that popularity is important but seeing that like a rougher more textural style people like that yeah because i'm familiar with more of the DD books of being so popular because blank pages of text separated by crisp illustrations i yeah. can't do that and i don't want to do that so i leaned more into it because as i wanted to learn how to make a book physically i figured that was a perfect place for it to, to rest right so i knew that people could use it anyway and Morkborg fans are fans of that and so yes. would give me extra scrutiny on it, which I wanted, because I wanted to find a way to be as rough as I like, but yeah. still like legible, right? Um, and so at the time it was the game I was playing the most, but it, it definitely was that, right? Like yeah. it's absolutely a passion project. 
and by making it for fans of that style, like I can really tell if it works or not because yeah. they're they're the ones who are gonna know that yeah. niche, right? Um, and was this a thing that you did a bunch of playtesting for? Like it seems to me, Morkborg is like since there's so few rules and you can just make stuff up as you go if you need it. Like, it doesn't feel like a thing that would need to be playtested that much. Right, so uh, I did what I'll call minimal playtesting on it in that, for me, because I agreed, the, the rules of Morgborg function on logic. It needs to make sense. Yes. Um, but death is very possible, right? Yeah. So, and that's uh, things, one of the fun things. Yeah, like, it. it's not... It's not a quote-unquote overpowered certain things. It's that a giant dragon does as much damage as a giant dragon would, right? So yes. it's dangerous. Um, but I did have a couple of groups like running through classes, which is the yeah. only thing of not really like honing balance per se, because it's not like there's point values, there's no levels or XP, yeah. but like making sure things are fun to play. Like yeah. the things that are nonsense and damaging are fun nonsense and damaging, yeah. right? So that that's more the style of playtesting I did with that. Um, my newer book coming out, which is more board, has a little bit more specific playtesting as I'm playing with a couple of optional like core rules. Um, yeah. Those things require a little more tweaking, but Smorgasbord was a lot more about like the flavor, giving one-shot adventures for you to play with, ridiculous recipes, and like logically it makes sense and nothing is like game-breaking, but there's not a lot of like, we'll balance X to Y, because there's no challenge levels, there's no XP, that just doesn't exist. And... That was one thing with all the role-playing that I've done. Like, I don't really care about trying to min-max a warrior to have great spells or equipment and, like, really think, oh, boy, will I get enough XP in this encounter to level up the next level? Like, that's... I mean, I can see why people like that, but it isn't what I, at least currently, am interested in a role-playing thing. Yeah, I think we're lucky in that miniature games give me the satisfaction of a specific building, specific action, yep. specific combat. So for RPGs, I prefer it to be as theatrical, loose as possible, right? Yep. If I want the granular like mechanic and the granular builds, I go for miniatures. That's exactly yeah. why I play yeah. it, right? Even, even the lighter flavorful skirmish games which I prefer has that granular ability yeah. right so I don't need it out of my RPGs yeah. I get why those who don't play miniatures like that like my partner she loves D&D because she loves character builds and that sort of mechanics and I'm like I get that because you list build for your skirmish games or for your armies I don't need that out of an RPG yeah. Morkborg gives you the wiggle room to if you want to do that there's always the like optional rules and the third party complexities yeah. but it's all optional like I, I like keeping it that that light right we're, we're going to have a beer we're going to be weirdos in a weirdo place and just see <laughs> where it goes and so I guess this is something we touched upon a little bit earlier about how now there are so many little indie RPGs and stuff where it feels like people are really exploring new avenues of what an RPG could be that's not necessarily just going and killing things. Um, and I'm not too deep into any of it, but once I was playing Morkborg, like, I was backing little things on Kickstarter all the time, and then I feel I didn't play most of them, but I read through a bunch and are particularly neat. But a recent thing that I saw at a game shop, it was called Exclusion Zone Botanist, where it's kind of like the stalker roadside picnic thing where you go into an exclusion zone and you're like documenting and drawing plants. So, so <laughs> I am an avid collector of as far out of the standard structure of RPG as possible because I love, love interactive 
like almost avant-garde theater stuff. And to me, an RPG at its weirdest is just interactive theater. Yeah. Right? And so similarly, I recently, well, my, my girlfriend um, backed The Zone, which is a similar yeah. exclusion zone, but it's like you're going through a spiral of cards and it's all played in the dark with like glow sticks that came with the game. I love a, that an immersive game. To, like that, hence, Ten Candles is one of my go-to horror one-shot uh, systems now because of the immersion of it. It can't be played digitally. So you have to have the candles. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even the like the lighter, like the um, Raccoon Sky Pirates, which is a DM-less, you're all raccoons or possums and cockroaches <laughs> going around on your, your sky dumpster uh, robbing suburban houses. Like I like finding the edges of what people deem an RPG. I'm a big solo RPG fan as well. Like Just seeing... And, I, and that's what I love about this, like indie, like almost I don't want to say revival, but the indie push that Kickstarter has given folks the confidence yeah. of is being able to really test the boundaries without feeling the pressure of, well, if it doesn't sell, then I yes. shouldn't. Because I, I genuinely believe there's no point in just making your game if all you want to do is sell it. It's like there's so much games that already exist. Go for the weird. Go for the passion. Because as long as it's a game you're passionate about, it's going to be interesting to someone, yes. right? Um. And I think that goes with a lot of things, music as well. The things that interest me the most are things that whomever made it, it was important and meant something to them and that they were doing it because of that. And I mean, if it ends up being successful and makes some money, good for them. But that's not the reason they were doing it. Oh, yeah. And that's the way it has to be, in my opinion, because... Similarly, there's a lot of games that I haven't played, but I do read because you can tell it's it's it is a passionate and it comes across in the words. So when that's the case, like I'm not bothered if I don't play it. It's still having it's worth worth it having read it. It's worth it having like owned it to be able to have something like that. Um, although I know being a creative myself, I'm always I have that scrutinizing eye where it's like I search for the specifically passionate and weird because that's when you get truly unique like little gems in there, right? Yeah. Well, so, what, if you can say, like, what's the current thing you're working on or what are you working towards? So, that's the, I was passing out the little test plays of it. Okay, um, it's yeah, called The yeah. Sky is Falling. It's, yeah. it's another Morkborg book um, because I wanted to, everything I learned over the course of the year and a half, I wanted to channel it into perfecting a Morkborg style book. So, it's a lot more of a loose setting guide too in that um, it'll be double the size of, of Smorgasbord so it'll be around like 230 pages give or take to get yep. it to that four even four split um, but it's a Morgborg the world ends and you burn your book and you're done this book picks up as <laughs> the few people who maybe survived what would you have had to do you crawl yep. underground to a much worse place um, or I have a bunch of like doomsayer charts so you can just kill off whatever world you're in and do weird nonsense underground um, so it's it's very like metro last light inspired but medieval fantasy in that yeah. I like the post-apocalyptic tunnel diving of weird creatures and places not so much like I dabble a little in the Lovecraft but I don't lean too much into that myself yeah. um, with the exception of like I wanted darkness to be a tangible thing down there. <laughs> toxic, uh, toxic air is a thing. Yeah. Light, light sources, light sources being important is a thing. And so those are the like, the optional core mechanics I wanted yeah. to play with to like see what a slightly more complex more board could be. And when I say more complex, it's more like, oh hey, you also ta uh, track your toxicity because if you get too toxic, 
you hit a mutation chart because who doesn't love a solid, you know, Warhammer Fantasy inspired mutation yeah, chart? So yeah. it's it's playing with with sort of that vibe of like having to track some of those things a bit. Um, but I also wanted to pack in a lot more adventures you can play. So I'm trying to load it with, hey, do you not want no prep? Here's a one shot. Here's a mini shot that you can play. Here's weird items or weird characters you can meet along the way. I'm also trying to push a little more for the style of books that I like, which is including some like abstract passages of fiction in there in between yep. for flavor. Because if it's going to be a coffee table bookshelf book, you, half of it will be really playable. Half of it will be really pretty. There's a lot more full art pages in there. Um, because I'm doing a like paper craft and cut all by hand and scanned book. Like None of it's digital this time. Um, so I'm trying to find... That good middle ground, like a readable, playable book. Well, so blog. that's cool. I mean, I, I know Morkborg, they tried to make it look like uh, a zine, so like an old school music zine thing, but I'm sure probably most of that was actually done digitally. Or So it's cool to hear that you're actually going to do it physically like a zine would be. Oh, yeah, full madman. Like, you, you shouldn't want to do, like, 240 pages of hand-cutting, but I, I've got my zone. I've got my... Uh, my, I like using the like the hair cutting shears with the little like curl on the end oh, yeah, to yeah, try yeah. to like take a break on some of my fingers to get it cut. Because I, I also like it though because I'm I, unfortunately I have such a critical eye, but I'm not an illustrator that if I try to pencil line, I'm too overly critical. When yeah. you're doing the hand cut, you just like vibe it out and see where it goes. So I'm trying to keep it very textural, um, but legible, right? So yeah. I'm trying to find that that balance. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. Um... Well, I guess perhaps to end this, if you had to make a recommendation of a single like indie RPG sort of thing that people should check out, or maybe not a single, like you've already mentioned a few, like one or two RPGs that you really think are cool and people should check out. Uh, for those who like uh, horror period, the best one-shot horror system is Ten Candles, hands down. Um, like I said, it is, it is full immersion, which in my opinion is key for horror. You're playing in the dark. You have ten candles that are slowly going out as you're dying. You are guaranteed to die. So that game is not about surviving horror. It's not mm -hmm. aliens. It's yeah. about uh, grabbing those moments of hope and really making your final moments yours. Like It is such a powerful game for that. I highly recommend it. I, and is that a sort of thing? Like it's probably on drive through RPG. Oh yeah, it's it's not expensive. It's been around for years. I've only played it this year, um, a couple months ago, and now I've already played it three or four times just because I, I can't get enough. It's it's a really unique experience for those willing to really put in the the effort or like the effort of being immersed in it because it, yeah. you get out of it what you what you give yeah. because it's so like tangibly. It's it's so interesting. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I had not heard of that, but that sounds great. Yeah, I will, um, for those who go to Nova, I've been talking back and forth with them as they want to get more RPGs in the scene. Um, and I got the first uh, private RPG room at the convention this year. All I'll right. be running Morkborg, I'll be running Ten Candles. Uh, full, like, as atmospheric as I can, so if you want to try some of those more atmospheric horror games and are going there, I have convinced them to let me do it. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thanks a lot for being here and talking with me, Shane. Yeah, thanks for chatting. And everybody go check out some of his work, Smorgasbord. It's available now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Eat up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, it's Greg. We're back at the second day of Under the Dice Fest 2024, and I'm here with Dallin of Hill Giant Games. 
How are you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you? Living the dream. I guess that's <laughs> what I say all the time. Um, maybe I'm not usually all that serious, but this has been a pretty great weekend thus far. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been surreal to be here. It's like, you know, of course, the guys, Under the Dice guys and the Hive Scum guys have done a phenomenal job of playing yep. together, you know. Pretty exciting. A lot bigger than the Nemo event last year, or... I mean, maybe not a lot bigger. There were still a lot of people there last sure, last yeah. year as well, but yeah. pretty exciting. Um, so you recently published a game, um, Cauldron. What yeah. can you tell me about Cauldron, and how has the response been thus far? Um, response thus far has has been great. I've been really pleased um, to see you know my friends and even you know plenty of people I didn't know uh, this weekend seem really hyped on it. Um, it's been really interesting to see people come by the Hill Giant table and I introduce myself to them, whatever, and they're like already following us on Instagram, whatever, which has been super encouraging. Um, com like Cauldron, it's nearly a hundred page book um, that's got only about like four pages of rules. <laughs> so it's, I, I would say it's like a game for people who have played games before. Yeah. Um, it's sure. people who are like comfortable with like the narrative rule set, you know? Um, it's like D12 based and you have stat modifiers for your characters and you just have a small warband of, you know, three to five to seven characters or so, swamps, uh, takes place in a swamp, right? So it's all orcs and trolls and goblins, stuff like that. There's a lot of tomfoolery, skull, skullduggery, whatever you, you will, you know, it's pretty goofy. Um, and uh, yeah, just like I said, nar narrative skirmish game um, that hope we hope that everybody who plays it will love it, you know, so... Um, so is there any sort of list building involved in the game or is it more everybody pulls together some cool models, uh, orcs and goblins and tries to use them like four pages isn't a lot of rules, but I've sure. certainly experienced a bunch of great games that don't have a ton of rules and I kind of maybe like that the best. Sure. Yeah. So I guess I, I should be more clear like the. The gameplay rules itself, those only take up four pages and the okay, kind of things yep. you can do in-game. But as far as list building, right, so everything is a table and it's all numbered. So you can, you can randomly generate a whole warband or you can reverse engineer stuff you already have. So if you, like for me, I use my orc warband for Mordheim. Yep. And I just like, well, this guy has a shield and this guy has this and this guy has that, you know, and kind of stat it out. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's 300 gold. Let's play, you know. Yeah. And if you do it that way, um, you know, it's quite viable. You're, you're bound to end up with, like, a pretty balanced, pretty equally matched warbands. Of course, with any game, you can break it. You yeah. know what I mean? You can, you can break more time. You can break 40K. You can break any game, yeah. right? So, um, but I think if you are just playing the models you want to play and the characters you want to play uh, with people who you want to be playing with, then, you know, it's, uh, it's quite... Yeah. Quite fun, quite fair, you know. So, um, have you been designing games for a while now? Like, what brought you to designing games? Was it that you didn't quite find what you wanted in other games, or you just found you had some neat ideas that you thought you could take something that you've already liked and maybe make something new out of it? Or what brought you to that? Yeah, I wasn't ever like trying to make like a whole new thing. Um, but I think what kind of inspired this whole project for me and this the uh, project of designing games in general was I like had ported some um, 
Frostgrave mechanics over into like a Necromunda campaign we were playing um, because we had these like powerful like psychers and we wanted like a bunch of different spell options in Necromunda. And it was clunky, but it was workable or whatever. And it kind of inspired me. And it's like, oh, I can just kind of write my own thing and figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I won't lie. The way I did that at that time was not super streamlined. But, you know, it got, it got better as time went on. And then um, I had written, uh, started writing another game, which only exists in the in Whispers in the Seedious Taverns. Uh, <laughs> it's a kind of a cryptid of a game. It's called Alpha Swords, which the, the the Google Doc exists. I will I'll send it to you. But uh, I mean, anybody <laughs> who spent some time listening to the Hive Scum podcast have heard a little bit about Alpha Swords. Yeah, so uh, it's almost one of those things where the the mystery around it, I get more of a kick out of that than actually yeah. finishing the game. But uh, and then actually at Adepticon last year um, uh, with my other friend Kai, we had written a, a, a much more tactical, much more balanced war game called Void Horizon. And so I just kept writing games, you know, and I had listened to, um, I actually listened to a podcast of someone who's just like, you should just try to write a game every day, you know, and even if you write a few paragraphs or whatever, like you'll hit something. And most yeah. of the time you won't. Right, but it's just, it's just like sketching or doodling, you know. If you keep trying to exercise that, like, eventually you'll, uh, you should come to something probably that you, you think is pretty good or yeah. at least a good starting place. Yeah, and I think sometimes what's encouraging to me is when I write a game and then realize it already exists. You know what I mean? I've, ri- I've accidentally also, written a game before, and I'm like, oh, this is, I accidentally just wrote Mordheim. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, all right, put in, that game exists already, so it's like, okay, cool, like, I'm I'm starting to understand more and more like how to to yeah, make like a game. What you know goes what I mean? into game yeah. design, and if you've come to if you end up creating something that largely already exists, like it at least suggests that you probably came on to a fairly good idea because somebody else thought of that too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when that happens, like I said, instead of being bummed that I'm like, oh man, this game is already this is already Planet 28 or this is already Forbidden Psalm or whatever, yeah. it's like, oh cool, like that game exists, like. No need to continue, and yeah. but well. You know. So with the game design process, are you constantly trying to play other people's games, or or yeah, how does that work? Like, yeah. are you like buying lots of other games and trying at least reading through the rules and running through them constantly? Like yeah. every every rule set I hear about, I I try to make some sort of effort to at least read it. Yeah, uh, and. Or you know, a lot of so many games are available for like a PDF. Yeah. Like bare minimum, I'll get the PDF. Uh, a lot of games, I'll get the, I'll buy the hardback. Yeah. And and I'm I'm like a chronic, rule book collector. You know. And then, I would say, maybe a third of those games I'll play. Yeah. And then eventually you latch onto one and you play the heck out of that game and you know and then that inspires you to whatever. So, like as much time as I spend trying to write and design my own stuff, I like playing everything else too you know and like steve's game like flames of orion you know like trying to play that like yeah i mean i've had a pretty good time with my experiences with flames of orion yeah it's sick yeah it's pretty simple but the mechanic of your mech overheating adds an extra layer of uh, challenge and decision that makes it more interesting than all right we're just moving some models across the battlefield and shooting at one another until the game's over yeah like it adds a little bit more thought 
yeah. and decision making to it that I really enjoyed. I think something that like really appeals to me to, to that game and something in, in general I like about games is like it can even come down to like is the name cool? Is the art cool? You know what I mean? And something for like Cauldron. Like I wanted people to feel okay about like getting that PDF or getting the book even if they never played it. You know what yeah. I mean? Is it is it interesting to look at? Is it interesting to think about, you know, and like well, Steven. the name is very evocative. The cover of the the actual book is very evocative, even if you don't necessarily know that it's about orcs and goblins. Sure. Like, with the name and the imagery on the book, like it at least got me thinking about like now what could this contain? Yeah, yeah. So that um the 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 cover art is actually from. Um, Vince, Dark Tech. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a miniature that he made and photographed that then Steven, who did all the design, Big Boy Game Time, he did all of, he's the other half of Hill Giant, right? So he did all the layout. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a collaborative effort. Nothing's yeah. like 100% and 100%, right? But he did a, a lion's share of the layout, and I did a lion's share of the rules, right? So, um, but, yeah, it was really cool to feature some of uh, Vince's art in there. And then actually, like, we have a lot of Curtis's miniatures in there, Ramshackle, yeah. and yeah. then uh, Matt so far, Knucklebones miniatures yeah. in there, and a bunch. Um, so that was actually really cool how it was really encouraging when we like reached out to some of our like hobby heroes that have become hobby friends, which is really yes. cool, and been like, hey, can we use your art in our book? And just like without a second thought, they're like, y yes, please use our art. And, and then you know? probably beyond that, they're probably helping helping create things to go along with the game in a big way yeah, yeah so that's yeah. awesome like uh matt we did like we ran um like a sculpting competition our sculpting kit bash competition called king of the hill giant yeah um and uh a lot of people participated which was incredible um it was like yeah it was a lot of entries but like a lot of our our friends made giants for it and uh yeah it was extremely like it was like really touching, like not to be super sappy about it, but it was like, oh yeah. man, like all these, all my like, friends like, like made, like yeah. people care. Yeah, 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 so that was really cool. Um, and, and Matt Knucklebones, he, he liked it, sculpted a giant for it. And what was so novel about that is of course, like he does 3D sculpting. So yep. he sculpted this giant and I was able to just like hit print and now I have Matt's yeah. giant, yeah, which was like awesome. really, really cool. So, um, and it, you know, it, it's, it, the, a photograph of that giant is featured in the rule book. So, yeah. You know, there's always like all these overlapping layers of how the community gets involved in each other's games and all that stuff, you know. And like, of course, we all know like Curtis and Matt, like they're also really good friends with like the Hive Scum guys. So it's like yeah. there's all yeah. these like tendrils, you know, nothing is linear. And I think like that's just like the nature of like the, the gaming community in general, right? And so I it, feel, or go on. Go so on. I was just going to say, it feels like a very safe space to be able to like explore that process of like even trying to write a game, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And. From my experience with this community, everybody is very welcoming, and if you just reach out to people that you're interested in the work that they're doing, they're probably going to be nice, and you would be surprised with how much they might be willing to help you as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. It's so important to, like, to have, I think, events like this where you get to touch base with your friends like in real life. You know, because yes. sometimes it's like, man, I haven't heard from so-and-so for, like, months and months. Well, most of your relationship exists on Instagram. Yeah, and you know. I think it's pretty neat to, like, I follow a ton of people on Instagram, and it's neat to actually see faces behind the totally. people that 
do all that stuff. Yeah. And well, last year at this Nemo event, like I had been listening to the Hive Scum podcast uh-huh. since then, and it was I just went back and re-listened to all the episodes they had out. Now that I like I had a face to go sure, with yeah. all the people, it was fun. Yeah. Um, to re-listen to that and like know more know who all those people were sure and like so much more enjoyable that way yeah and just to circle back to what you said it's like now you're meeting these people in real life and they're like that much more willing to help you or to be involved that much more friendly you know it's like they're already so kind on like a social media platform then you meet them in real life and they're like Like 10 times as kind yeah they're your friends yeah Yeah. exactly so it's, it's remarkable I think yeah and so when when we were moving towards um you know bringing cauldron here and like this is kind of like the the debut of cauldron yeah, so to speak yeah. like we've had the pdf up for a little bit but this yeah. is the first like place you could physic buy a physical copy it was like it was really nice to know like it's not gonna fall flat like i'm not gonna get rich selling a yeah, game and that's not yeah. the point but like it's not like nobody's gonna buy or play this game so that was like encouraging and again just like the hobby community in general has made made a space for that you know so and the this community specifically right you know so yeah um do you have a sense of do you have more cauldron related content that you would like to release or put out or do you feel like i mean it it certainly seems like a standalone thing but do you have other ideas kicking around that you would like to put out to help support it yeah yeah so one of the things we just had here was like a little microzine of stuff that was like some of it like didn't make it into cauldron some of it was like just extra goofy stuff that we came up with after cauldron you know and i had shown you like the frogman mechanic is like really silly right you know so it's like well we want to show people that those ideas exist um and but give them the option of like having that content right and uh we've played around with like starting an expansion already um it, like you said it does feel like a very standalone thing and by no means do i think cauldron will be like our flagship game mm-hmm. but i definitely don't feel like i'm like really done with it yet and i don't yeah. think steven does either like all the times we're texting each other back and forth saying uh you know what about this what about that like those that that happens frequently you know so it's like we just add it to a google doc you yep. know yeah it starts to evolve into a mechanic, it starts to evolve into a scenario, it starts to evolve into a, a new creature type or whatever, you know, so. Um, and maybe I touch, asked you about this already, but about how long would you say you have been into designing games and stuff? I would say, like, from the very beginning when the first time I even tried to write a game at all, I would say it's probably been going on, like, three years. Okay, um, okay. Adepticon last year it, uh, was, like, the first time that other people had played a game that I had been involved yeah. in writing so from that benchmark like I guess about a year you know so but I mean you've been writing games for three years That's I've been trying cool. to write <laughs> games for three yeah. years yeah yeah so and I think what's cool is to me in hindsight like it, it feels to me like it has happened quite like organically yeah which has been really nice because I, I hope I'm not alone in this but anytime I like try to force a project to happen or force a creative idea to happen it just never does yeah, so when something just kind of comes up organically it feels like a lot more genuine yeah and it probably gets to a point where if you're just trying to force something to get done like the it's not fun anymore totally yeah yeah 
And uh, I just, I know that even, even the hobby sometimes can be taxing for people and that's why there's hobby burnout and that's why people take yeah. breaks and, and whatever. But like, <clears throat> I don't ever want it to, to become something I like hate to do, you know what I mean? And so um, I think one thing we've done to avoid that is we have like two or three or four other like kind of half finished projects, you know? Uh, like a RPG we've been yeah. working on, another skirmish game we've been working on, um, and then there's a, been some whispers of a game we've been working on with our buddy Ben, uh, Apocrypha Now okay. on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so it's really nice when we're kind of feel like we're hitting a wall with one thing, we'll kind of switch gears. But that happens organically too. I'll have an idea for something, and I'm like, well, where can I? Does this fit in any of our yeah. projects? You know, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of seems like it fits over here. You know, and you try it out, you roll some dice, and you're like, all right, nah, that was a miss. I that does that's nothing. You know, and then you just scratch it off the list and try the next thing. You yeah. Know? So, um, but yeah, it's something that's always like in our immediate group of friends. Our really good friend uh, Anthony came up here with us, and uh, just on the drive up here from New Jersey, we like wrote a game we were just like talking about <laughs> games you know and it's like i think we could like show up grab a table and play this you That's know what awesome. i mean like it's certainly not fleshed out certainly not finished but it's just something that we are like talking about and i think for 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 me it's because i want to write a game but i think for like anthony it's because it seems like he it helps him understand more what he likes in games that already exist yeah you know what i mean yeah. and so it's cool it's it's an interesting facet of the hobby that I didn't think I would get into when I first got into the hobby. You well, know what I mean? It reminds me a little bit. So the most recent Hive Scum episode, which I was listening to driving up to this event, uh -huh. one of the things that they were talking about was what sort of gamers they are and what aspects of games appeal to them. Uh -huh. And that was something that I don't know that I really thought about. Interesting. And I think is yeah. a worthwhile thing to consider and certainly help if you are trying to make your own games, like considering like what aspects of the games that you do play you particularly like. Yeah, yeah. I know for like, as as much as I like get along with them and we all like the same stuff, like we certainly, I like don't play games the same way as Gage. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't play the games the same way as like Steve or Steven, you know what I mean? And so all of those things like... I, well, think, I don't play nearly as many games yeah. as all of them do. No, like, they, they play an stuff. unhinged amount of games, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so I think, like, I, you know, last week or the week before I was playing, came up and played more time with Steve and uh, Alex for a little bit. And I just, like, I think Steve, like, felt bad. Like, he was just absolutely punishing me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm, like, I'm happy to be playing more time. Like, yeah, I'm not really yeah. caring that much. Like, I'm getting shot off the board by mercenaries, but I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I I got to bring my orcs and play play more time. Like, it's yeah, fine, you know? And so it's it's the differences in, like, game style for me. It's, like, more than anything, I, the, the, omer, the overwhelming sense of fulfillment I got from even getting some models on the table is, like... <laughs> Yeah. I've made it, you know, I and finally played a game. Like doing a thing with all those miniatures that you spent a bunch of time on. Yeah. Kind of coming full circle where you're actually using them for what you originally ended, totally. ended them for. Because with my brothers and I, we have so many things that just 
miniatures and boxes. Sure, yeah. And it's always fun when you can actually get them finished and use them for a thing. Totally, yeah. And with people that you enjoy being around. Yeah. Even more so, and you know? I mean, my favorite part about this hobby now is the community and the people. And what I was most excited about for sure. this weekend yeah. was seeing a bunch of people again and meeting new people. Yeah. You know, you guys have been like such paragons of the hobby community for as long as I've been into the hobby. You know what I mean? Like the first people I discovered, I think randomly, like one of totally not Matt's man yep. miniatures came up on my explore page because I had like thought about getting into D&D &D like five okay. years ago. You yep. know what I yep. mean? And I was like a total Gumby. Like I didn't know anything. And I remember seeing that and being like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> he had like this big like this big like fan from a computer with like a piece of fabric yeah, draped yeah. over it and it was all painted in like the Zorn palette and I'm like uh I want more or whatever yeah, that like, is you know and quickly yeah. after that I like discovered you guys discovered like dark tech pretty early on yeah like some of those guys were like the first you know things that even like got me into the hobby right so it's really cool to to see like and I, I don't want to speak for you but to kind of see like a culmination of like this collaborative effort of the community to start having stuff like this, you know? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's awesome. I, as I said, my favorite part about it all now is the community. Totally. And yeah. from all of my experience, everybody's really excited to work together to make cool things. Totally. I really think, I'm not just trying to blow smoke, but I really do think it's something that you guys have like really spearheaded. And so like, well, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. certainly been, been trying <laughs> yeah yeah and trying to make it seem like it's something that everybody who's interested in could become part of and it's not just a bunch of people in europe or some elitist people in america that totally. they're the only ones doing this interesting sure. weird stuff like if you're excited about it all you can do it as well sure and reach out to people that yeah that yeah you admire they're totally. probably cool people yeah as well it's like easy enough hey buddy hey Steve's i just here. have to say dallin doesn't play games <laughs> did you say i don't know how to play games or doesn't play games i mean <laughs> that would that would largely describe myself <laughs> i mean if it's not for one of, of an event like this i'm largely not playing games uh they're all staring at us right now uh so I think you play games, or at least design games. I think they might be talking games. about how we don't play games. Perhaps. <laughs> but well, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what I was saying yeah. now, but yeah. <laughs> Classic Steve. But yeah, thanks for having me on here. Oh, yeah, saying? certainly. It was great talking with you. Yeah, yeah. And you've had a ton of... I've been looking over at the table. You've had, like, Martin over here and yeah, Shane like, over here. Yeah, so cool people. That Lots rules, cool yeah. People. Yeah, and well, so... Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having I me. I'm excited to look into Cauldron because yeah, yeah. orcs and goblins have always had a close place in my yeah. heart. Some real, some real uh, skullduggery is the word we've been throwing around. <laughs> and uh, definitely let me know what you think. Tear it yeah. up. If it sucks, let me know so we can make it better than yeah. <laughs> the next uh, I'm time not around. Sure it doesn't suck, but I'm excited to actually jump into it. Sweet. Thank you so much. But thanks a lot, Dale. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right, everybody. We're back at Under the Dice Fest 2024, uh, day two. I'm here with my brother Adam. Hello. So Eric from Eric's Hobby Workshop. Glad to have you here. What's up, guys? Like having a good time talking to a bunch of people today. 
So what what have you been doing the last couple of days? Were you playing in the New England Mordheim? Were you playing Mordheim? I did play in the uh, tournament, and I also drove down a table of terrain, which is set up right behind me here. That uh, was part of the tournament as well. So how much a- of a pain was getting that terrain here? Um, well, because I drove down, it was a simple matter of folding down the back seats and putting a bunch of totes in there, and so. Since I was already driving, it wasn't much of an extra inconvenience to bring a whole bunch of terrain. It was already, you know, kind of ready to go in, in my studio, just in in the tubs already. So Yeah. Um, Whereas if you had to fly or something, dealing with getting the stuff there would be a lot harder. Yeah, it's harder. like there's, there's that, um, is it an Oscar Wilde thing where he says, like, he didn't have, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. It's like the same <laughs> It's the same thing for like packing economically. It's way harder than just bringing everything yes, and just yes. throwing everything in the car. Yeah. And, then, and like because I have extra space, it was fairly painless. So, yeah, it's um, harder to pack for Adepticon or something where you're like, oh, I know I'm gonna buy stuff, and I know I. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then this is gonna be this luggage is gonna be handled by other people on the airplane, so I need to pack it carefully. Like I had some stuff that was just like gently draped in the back seat of my car, and it's like I'll just won't take any corners too hard. And, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what warband were you playing? Uh, so I was playing my Estallion warband, which is based on um, uh, Marion Burgers, um, which is one of the original mercenary gangs. And it's the same warband that I was running when I met you guys at yep. the uh, Mordheim Invitational in Houston. Um, you have a nice video about them as well, so if anyone's interested I do. Yeah. about yeah. them, it's a good video to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's actually... Um, it's kind of fun to run them again. I haven't I haven't played with them since that that time because I have a bunch of warbands and I play infrequently enough that I'm always trying to change up what I'm using. But it's fun to dust them off again. I forgot some of the character of them and how fun they are to use. Yeah, they're cool. Well, did they? How did they represent? Did they do okay? The first two games I did incredibly well. I didn't have a single guy go out of action. My they were God, just rolling unbelievably well and. Um, you know, I had a lot of crossbow men, and the, yeah. uh, we got some maps that were favorable to uh, shooty forces, and uh, some scenarios that favored that as well. And then game three was a total disaster. Okay. Just, just, <laughs> I, I've never rolled more twos and ones in my life. Okay. And, uh, it was it was not good. Did um, a lot of people get taken out of action? Yes, a lot of people got taken out of action, and a lot of people failed their fear checks trying to charge ghouls and stuff like that. So there's uh, a lot that's... of just cowering and not not going forward. Okay, yeah, a lot of unsuccessful, like, muttering and all, yeah. No, that, I guess that can kind of happen sometimes, and I feel most of the games I play sort of revolve into a whole lot of nothing. Um, yeah, it's interesting, because it, it, so much is affected by not just the other warband that you are drawing yeah. to go against, but the table that you got. That's true, like, I mean... If you don't have a lot of shooting elements and stuff, sometimes you can really be put in a bad position. Though I guess like they have some like hiding mechanics and stuff, which I don't think I've ever really used. But I think those nobody would, ever hides. But I think <laughs> that, that would probably be important depending on what you were doing and whatnot. But well, I, I never heard, did it. I heard a bunch of people talking about. Um, the missions that they had to play and speaking to your point about they really matter like a bunch of like dwarf war bands where they're oh, trying yeah. to play like a like breakthrough. a breakthrough yeah. mission <laughs> and it doesn't go well for no, the dwarves I mean, well do they only move dwarves. four inches 
No, three. It's three. So well, actually, going, wait. Do the normal... What's the normal movement? Normal I movement's four. It is, And okay. then dwarves are three. So, so that's... Moving six inches a turn when you're, like, running, that's Is painful. not... That's really painful. Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah, and, you know, you can't... Like, I, I played uh, a campaign at my local game store with Skaven. Yeah. And movement five base, and they have it's, all sorts of skills to climb and stuff. Yeah. And that's fun. You're just so they can get the wherever they need to be yeah. pretty quickly, efficiently. They're not going to stumble and fall off a bridge or something. And if they do, they're just rats, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I love the aesthetic of the dwarf treasure hunters and dwarf warbands, but I yeah. just couldn't bear to actually play as one because yeah. I know it would be so painful. They're not very forgiving, I don't think, and yeah. you depend. to manage I'm sort of interested in trying to eventually make like an old hammer chaos dwarf little war band for Mordheim I can't imagine they'll be that good because they'll probably be mostly close combat and I don't know they might have they might struggle to get in there yeah well I, they have goblins and orcs too right so you might uh, I think get that's true like hobgoblins and like, stuff I don't think, yeah. you know, vanilla dwarves have any assistance in that capacity I mean, yeah, I don't think you could take like a gyrocopter in Mordheim or something, could you? That'd be cool uh, if you could. I mean, you probably can't, but it would be kind of neat to kind of come up with some rules and stuff for that. You could probably make kind of a cool scenario around yeah. it too. Yeah. Well, so what have you been up to for this second day now that the Mordheim tournament's over? Going around talking to people, have you been able to play anything? So I slept in, which is nice. really nice. Well, yeah. <laughs> got an early start yesterday, so... Being able to sleep in was was really nice. Like I had, um, it's a nine and a half hour drive to come down here. Yeah, it's so a lot. I, Friday all day I was driving, and then I stayed up late for no reason, and then I had to get up and set up my table, and yeah, and I was just I was dragging my heels by the end of yesterday. So, so mostly that, and then I'm just kind of wandering around, seeing what everybody's doing. You know, um, people are playing uh, all kinds of different games. Like I see people playing HeroQuest. Um, Mike was playing over there. He's playing. Um, Old world. old world at but, 10 millimeter oh, cool. scale. Yeah, little tiny 3D yeah. printed guys. Yeah, yeah. And everything's that's just converted to centimeters, but it's exactly the same game. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's fun. Yeah, I think so. that's pretty neat because, like, I'm somewhat excited about the new old world game, but I'm not going to be building and painting on a thousand point rank and flank army. Like, I yeah. won't do that. Well, I'm, I guess I'm lucky because I've been, like, You've been working on it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. The whole time, I never stopped. So I've got pretty much every army ready to go for all the world. Yeah. Well, are you excited to try and play the rule set? Have you looked into it any? I've played it already. You've played it already? I like it. Um, Is it a lot different, or is it, like, if you played a bunch of, like, the editions of Warhammer, you pretty feel pretty comfortable with it? um, There are some changes that... like, if somebody's familiar with, with other editions yeah. of Warhammer Fantasy, you can tell them the changes pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, there's some, some changes to the magic. There's no longer a magic phase. Oh. So the relevant spells are in the different other phases. Like, okay. movement spells are in the movement phase. Yeah. Shooting spells are in the shooting phase. So that's a pretty simple change. Um, there's some changes to how combat resolution works, where you can now fall back in good order instead of just hold or flee. Okay, so like, yeah. Which, which really changes the dynamic. Like, combats will sort of 
move and, and, and flow back and forth across the table in a way they didn't, which is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And then they have some rules that I think were overdue. Like, uh, uh, there's one, a counter charge rule, where okay, like, some yeah. cavalry units have this counter charge where it's like you charge the front of them, it's like they're still charging you. Yeah. So, uh, my brothers and I actually had that as a house rule for 6th edition that we were playing with for years. Yeah. So, to see that appear in the real yeah. rule book, yeah. I'm like, it's cool. yeah. That's um, good. So, yeah, it seems like they were at least putting a bunch of thought about what people wanted or thought seemed thematic well, you know and everything about the design of that did they like reach out to people to help design it i think they, they probably, probably hacked my it. google documents and, oh, and took a look at my house rules. those bastards <laughs> um well that's nice that you've been able to play it a little bit and i think it's certainly nice for people who have been yeah collecting and painting yeah. armies for a long time well, were you one of those that was sore when the old world was destroyed was destroyed I mean, I was a little bit sore. Yeah. I wasn't, like, I, I just, for me, I wasn't, Not burning I wasn't your really army. into the hobby at the time that it happened. Okay, yeah. So I went into, and I would go into Games Workshop infrequently anyways. Like, if I would walk by one, I'd be like, let's go see what's new. Let's yeah. go look at the cases. Like, even yeah. if I didn't have any projects on the go and my stuff was in boxes, I would go pop yeah. into Games Workshop. Yep. And I walked in. And I said, like, what? where's the Warhammer Fantasy? And the guy's like, oh, no, 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 that's gone. Um, you know, it's all Age of Sigmar now. It's this new thing. Warhammer Fantasy's ended. And he's told me about retconning the end times, and I was kind of butthurt about that because I was an orc player. And yeah. I don't know if you remember the original version of the end times, Grimgore Ironhide yeah. is the one who ends up looking yeah, cool he, at the end. Yep, and they're like, yeah. no, we changed that. That didn't happen, and now oh. that game's gone. And I was like, when is it coming back? And the guy's yeah. like, it's never coming back. And he was, like, gleeful about it. He's like, it's never coming back. So yeah. if I could find that guy and just it's sort back. of rub in his face that it's back, <laughs> I, that would be... <laughs> well, so I, I distinctly remember when it was happening. I think I bought, like, one or two of the End Time books and, like, sort of read, like, what was happening. And it's like, I guess that's... It was at least sort of interesting. Um, but it's, it's good they brought it back. And particularly for people like you who have been collecting for a while, hopefully it now encourages newer players to like actually come back so you'll have more people to actually yeah. play with <laughs> well it's kind of a bittersweet thing like I, I'm you know I try not to be like uh, you know um, I don't know salty about these sort of things but like stuff that I've been hunting on eBay for, yeah. for years is now just like available like made to order and it's like I, I, I shouldn't feel like kind of bad yeah. about that but something about it gives me like a pang of like oh really like <laughs> Well, so yeah. a lot of that stuff is still a lot of it, like the metal models and stuff, or because I don't remember when they introduced fine cast and stuff. Was that before or after Fantasy Battle was gone? Um, and was, did they? Was, fantasy was still around. Yeah, I think. It was, Fantasy was still around. In the so they probably at least converted some of the stuff to fine cast. I know that they're uh, like the Ushabti, I think, were released in fine cast towards the end, but okay. are now back in metal. That's so they're, yeah. they're bringing a lot. I think they understand how unpopular fine cast was. Yeah, and, uh, I don't have you know, I haven't followed this very closely because I'm probably not going to be buying very much. Yeah, um, re released metal stuff just because I have so much of the old stuff already. To, yeah, to work on. they have and a nice way to them, too. Stuff. Yeah. Well, so what sort of stuff have they been making available? So just this week, I think they released like that '80s Marauder Giant. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is like way deep. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought they were just going to release kind like of the one with the plastics. big, the big beard yeah, the holding one with the tree. The, sort of the, the, yeah, the, the yeah. Beard and Very no mustache. Classic. And the sort yeah, of bowl yeah. Cut. 
Yeah, okay, that's a classic so model. And, you know, how much are they selling? Him I don't for? know what the price is yet, but yeah. I just bought one on eBay, for, and then they released yeah. the Warhammer community article I'm, saying, "Hey, look, it's coming back." And I was like, "I'm really? surprised." I'm pretty I would surprised guess was they brought fairly expensive to get the old model. I, yeah, I, I spent about I think 150 bucks on it on eBay, and it's incomplete. Like he's supposed okay. to have a barrel on yeah, his hip yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. and it, so mine doesn't have the barrel. I or think at, he's one of the better giants because i feel giant. a lot yeah. of yeah i mean maybe even the best i think a lot of the giants that they had released over the years are so spindly and stuff i actually like the albion giants the oh there were like two of them because, right yeah because they yeah. feel like they're suffering some of the consequences of being at that proportion uh, yeah I mean, they, I they're, they're not just yeah, yeah, a scaled yeah. up person yeah. Um, but I always liked the Marauder Giant. I saw a guy bring one into Games Workshop in like the year 2000 or something, and I was like, damn, yeah. I want that. And he's like, it was already out of print when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I for mean, for it to come back now <laughs> after I finally got one, it's like, it's hard to not feel like a little bit of yeah. like, oh. Well, so that's interesting. I wonder, hopefully, I guess they continue to do that and bring back some of the. Well, like all the dogs of war, like all those cool metal models. Do you think they were going to bring them back? It's a good question. I because mean, I they're cool. Dogs of War Army that yeah, like there are a lot of really like, interesting so all the old ones. cool Dogs of War models. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Back. Yeah, they probably will actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think anything's safe if they still have the molds. They'll bring it back if, if they. Um, yeah. Now I haven't know. paid too much attention to the new old world stuff, but is it the thought that? If there's an army that supported an Age of Sigmar, they're probably not going to support them with the in the old world. So they they um, they said that like new units, armies that existed in Eighth Edition that got new units that are Age of Sigmar only units are yeah. not going to be like retroactively supported. Yeah. Um, and then they've earmarked um, a handful of armies that are part of the quote unquote story they're going to be telling or whatever okay. that yeah. are going to be supported with new models and stuff. And then they have the quote-unquote legacy armies like Skaven, Vampire Counts that are not a part of it, that have free PDF rules on uh, okay. the community right now. Okay. And, you know, it's kind of... I think they'll probably bring those guys into the fold at some point because yeah, it's just eventually. they're popular and it would be stupid not to. And Yes. Yeah, I guess maybe they're also kind of trying to judge like how popular and successful it's going My to be. My sense is that they way underestimated how popular... Well, I mean, certainly the release day on Instagram, there were tons of pictures of Warhammer World and how there were lines upon lines of people yeah. like anxious to get in there. Really and at the so very least, me. there are tons of people that have their old armies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not only that. Like, they Total War Warhammer was super popular. Oh, that's true. And that was yeah. all in like in the age of not being able to play Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. And that was Bretonians, that yeah. was Tomb Kings, and people were wanting those armies for ages. And, yeah. You know, and what it, I think they yeah. really kind of misjudged how much people wanted this, and well, I think they'll yeah. put a little bit more resources into it now that it's yeah. on the wall. Well, and so. I mean, they also, I know a lot of people got into Warhammer Fantasy with, like, Total War, all the Total War games, and yeah, that yeah, was yeah, all... That's what he was talking about. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah, I think that's it's good. And like the Chaos Dwarves were introduced to the Total War. Yeah. I mean, not, maybe it's a year now, but people were jammed about that. Big hat Chaos Dwarves in Total War. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, if it's. I also don't mind if they don't. Like, I kind of like Horus Heresy, like the. 
the fact that they don't change the rules all the time is really nice for me. Yeah. Like, and, and they're not balanced, but it doesn't really matter because the community sort of is like, okay, we're going to do this thing where one dreadnought per thousand points because everyone knows they're too powerful. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You don't have to actually change the rules every three months and bump yeah. down the points cost or take away Force something. everybody to rebuy all the yeah, books and, and get all book, the time. You know, like, so yeah. I actually like when a game's been out of print for or not supported because you get time to know the rules. Yeah, right? it's like, true. I, I don't... I'm not the type of guy who wants to learn new rules every couple weeks or every three months or whatever it is. And that's the thing. I mean, we don't play Warhammer anymore, really, but I wouldn't really want to spend some time learning the system. And then the next time you get to play the game, which is maybe a year later, like, well, they have a new edition. And, like, maybe I just won't play it. That, and that <laughs> happened to me even when I was younger playing Warhammer Fantasy. Is I yeah I didn't even realize the concept of editions for a while. Oh, we didn't had, either. Yeah, I had my sixth edition orcs, and I had an army list written, and my friend was like getting into Warhammer, and he's like, oh, I'll play against you. And he had like an eighth edition empire list where he had one of these huge blocks of units. It was like flagellants, and they had all these buffs, and then they had the rules about the, the horde rules being tight yeah. units wide. And he just ripped through my whole army, and I was like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> I wasn't even familiar with some of these rules. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, it can be it can be weird when the game sort of feels like it's changing underneath you. Like, it takes three years to paint an army for a normal person. Mm-hmm. So, like, to for have the 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 goalposts move while you haven't even got your thing yeah. ready. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You like a lot of the different people in like the tournament circuits and stuff for Warhammer Forty Thousand, like that. You have to really be into that and the list building and all that other stuff. Like, I can't imagine keeping up with it. Yeah, or you don't keep up with it and you just build a bunch of armies and then wait till the rules move yeah, into yeah. what you coincidentally yeah. have. And then for three months, that, you're on the top of the world. It's like, heck, yeah. It's like, oh my god, the meta shone a light on my you know, Deathwing force that yeah. I've had since 97. They're back for a year yeah, or something. Until, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dark Eldar in yeah. three months. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I've never been able to cash in on any of the hot meta things. Cause it's just, <laughs> I move too slowly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I certainly do. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks for being on with us, Eric, and enjoy the rest of your time here glad you got yeah, thanks, were able guys. to get some sleep yeah it's been nice to catch up with you guys yeah, safe travels Thank thanks you. guys thanks hey everybody we're back this is greg under the dice fest 2024 i'm here with my two brothers adam and eric and also matt totally not panicking matt hello matt. hello nice to be here yeah, nice to nice. be with everybody yeah <laughs> nice to have you here oh thank you thank you beautiful cold new england i love it yeah it's, i love it it's even snowing earlier today i know it reminds me of nemo last year there was some snow on like the day of, and there was some worry that people might not show up because of it. it this t- this time, it held off till the next That's day. That's right, it did. And everybody still showed up both days anyways, so yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. true, it's true. Well, we played, uh, or Adam and Matt, you played a game of Asterian, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. We uh, we, 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 we set up on a, on a nice, uh, on like an under, a formerly underwater board, and yeah. looted, tried to find, tried to find alien fish artifacts. 
what's best in life other than that, right? I, I can think of nothing. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, and that was the board uh, that yeah. you've been building for the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. right? And you've been showcasing yeah, that's right. the progress. That's right, yeah. You can see it on my Instagram and probably on your blog. I'm sure it will, it will be yeah, there. Yeah, it will be there. And, and hope, hopefully at many events in the future, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, not not my plan. problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you actually brought it uh, as like carry on luggage. That's right. That's right. It, That's rolled 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 the dice. You know, you're rolling dice all weekend, so you rolled mm-hmm. the dice with TSA, and they were mercifully only one wound. You know, uh, yeah. But we survived. We we rallied. It's super good. Yeah, yeah. For I feel sure. it. It's really survived pretty well. I'm, I feel I'm astonished, honestly. <laughs> yeah, a testament to the bill. Yeah, and yeah, liquid yeah. nails. And yeah, yeah, a testament to liquid nails. Absolutely, <laughs> you use liquid nails on all your terrain. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah but would uh, just care to say a little bit about the game, Adam? How like we were playing, right? Yeah. yeah Adam, so the red, yeah, the red church. They were venturing into this, the rusted wasteland to. Maybe they were looking for artifacts, but I think more in actuality they were looking to slaughter other heretics that were there to capture those artifacts and everything. So they met on the field of battle, and it was pretty bloody. It honestly. was. It truly, it truly, it truly was. Um, all of all of my many of my little men were slaughtered, mm-hmm. but uh, we walked we walked away with the most fish relics, which yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you. I think you managed to walk off with at least four of them. That's I was right. only able to only able to acquire two. two. You were two hand down. Patho- absolutely pathetic. It's, oh, it's mean, a, yeah. Are you going to let them ride home with you? Yeah, like, I, <laughs> no, I, I suppose. I'm uh-huh. driving by myself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but no, it was it was a neat game. Like I think the board worked really well. Oh, There's good, a lot thanks. of nice elevation and mm-hmm, stuff, which. Mm-hmm. Um, Resulted in some kind of funny and comical things. Yeah, where, definitely, definitely. Yeah, tell, the, tell us, tell us about your, tell us about your old man with the with the bolter. Oh yeah, so the old the old uh, historian per se of the Red Church, he ventured out. I guess initially thinking he'd be interested in the artifacts right, and stuff right, like that. Right, but then but he, he started seeing blood. Yeah, he uh. quickly <laughs> gained a taste for blood, and yeah, oh, yeah truly. he like head stomped. What well, would just poor, just 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 foolish, foolish like servitor who yeah, went like out right like, at the was beginning. like gonna gonna like headbutt somebody did not headbutt somebody yeah, got so, headbutted themselves <laughs> and then he stomped them stomped them blew he up tried to charge another person it didn't go very didn't well didn't go well he, he lost his nerve a little bit but then yeah he fled man. but then decided you know what I still have this and jumped off of a walkway into combat oh. with another person oh. and proceeded flying to stomp, elbow. Flying proceeded elbow to sure. stomp them into the ground That's as well. Right. That's right. He so. got yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's 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 gonna he's gonna dust off the bolter after that. I think give up well, the li- give up the library gig. You know, yeah. Dewey Decimal. Well, the bionic arm that he has, I yeah. think, is slick with blood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Needed it. Needed an oil anyway. So that's yeah. yeah, super good, super good. So yeah, it was, it, it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We played a very like light Necromunda mm-hmm. light. Yeah, very where, simple version of that. Um, we sort of agreed beforehand, kind of what we thought most things hit on a three, wound on a four, yep. and then any interesting thing that came up like jumping off of the walkways into combat and other stuff like that we sort of just um 
on the fly decided like how spry is this character or how and so <laughs> I, don't know, I think that worked well. that did that did work quite that did work quite well for sure well, but presumably the old man wasn't all that spry but he still I turns, mean, he out, he turns out turns out you, didn't, you don't think he is but he got the blood in him yeah. and he he got get pretty nimble yeah. <laughs> the emperor truly was guiding That's his true. strikes so guides his strikes and his steps didn't want him to have the relics but well you know, it looked he, like he uh, I was taking some photos and it looked like one of uh, Matthew Warband was pretty uh, in tune with the warp. Some oh, good psycho oh, yeah, energy absolutely, there. absolutely. I had one. I had one who who had attuned themselves by trying to become a fish, mm-hmm. uh, and just did some absolute gymnastics and and mental play. So, climbed to the top, looted a relic, climbed down, looted another relic, teleported to another place, was not <laughs> eaten by the warp, looted yeah. another relic, and then just ran. Then so, fled off. Then yeah. fled. Church, yeah, in a unhinged fish energy. I loved it. Yeah. So wow. many relics. Yeah, so many, so many. All the, all the lucre. I He's tried up. towards the end. I tried to like shoot him down. but yeah. he was too. He was too, too nimble. He dodged. He, I think he dodged every single shot. He was yeah, just. Yeah. He was moving and shaking. He was. I certainly it. tried. But yeah, 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 for sure. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just those vestigial vi- fish gills That's just right. gave him the, the, the gave vestigial him the fish edge. gills gave him the edge, and he just got. He got very excited about the fish relics. They look like him. You know, he's got a, got an affinity well, for I it. So. Maybe he had some ancient connection to these relics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. He was attuned yeah. to them. They they wanted to be with him, and he wanted to be with them. So, well, that's nice to hear that everybody had some fun and interesting things yeah. in the game, and it wasn't just somebody got steamrolled. <laughs> right? No, yeah. it looked bad for me at the yeah. start. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but we we rallied. We rallied. So yeah, yeah just focus sure. on that objective. That's those right. Delightful relics. That's right. Just get the relics. Get the, any relics for anything. Relics at all costs. Any costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so no, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thanks a lot for uh, for like getting in touch with me and having me build it. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun building. building. It. Oh yeah, for sure. It allowed us to unload a bunch of our plastic terrain. Yeah, good, good, good. I won it, and uh, and yeah, and then I <laughs> and then I built it, and now I don't have to have it anymore, which which allows me to free up space in my house, which I really Incredible. appreciate. <laughs> so good. Incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we certainly understand that. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. I feel like we all do. <laughs> yeah. If like you can find someone else who will cherish and love whatever it is, whatever you've like, got, like, it, yeah, let him have it. Let him have it for yeah. sure. For sure, just give it away. <laughs> well, so you have a big banner up for Smash Bash. That's what right. can you tell me about Smash Bash? For oh, this year, this year, this year it's going to be insane. It's one category, as many entries as you can stomach to submit. The theme <laughs> is the theme is Battle Royale. Uh, and so, yeah, one category. You know, don't be don't be a coward. Total mayhem. Um, you're just <laughs> gonna want right. to build the thing that you think is gonna be the best for battle royale. It's going until I think submissions are due at the end of April. Okay, uh, like the April mm-hmm. 26th or 27th, I think the day the day before that weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. And it's one it's one category. Uh, indicate if you've never entered something before. If you haven't entered something before, you should enter. Uh, yeah, and then just should. like let me know in the subject line. Uh, more info at smashbash.org. Uh, that's got all. That's got all the stuff. So yeah, nice. Yeah, three trophies, and then maybe we'll do some fun like one-off things for yeah. what people put in. You know, like I didn't want to set up like one-off categories until I saw what was submitted. So you know, it's not just the three, but the, uh-huh. the trophies are by 
Pan's Rodian again. Excellent. Um, so they're he's got, always really cool. They're always very cool. He's got something really exciting cooked. He's, he's, still, he's still searching in the clay, he says, but, uh, okay. uh, but well, we'll see. From all the ones in the past, that's something that you would actually want. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Fuck Golden Demon. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's you, right. Uh, you this want, is dude, what you want. Smash Bash, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'll have that, and then I've got uh, Anna Palancic. I got her to do a bunch of sculpts, so okay. those will be available at Adepticon, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, Whoops All Bits, so we just did <laughs> uh, we just did All Bits, so it's got a bunch of stuff. There's some there's some shields, there's a, there's a guitar nice. uh, cool. for, for, like, uh, yeah, for guitar reasons. Uh, what Whatever. else is there? I think there's some like some fish and some cool helmets, and I don't know what else she's got cooked up. But I was just like, make bits that you haven't seen before. No, so we've got yeah. some bits that we haven't seen. Oh, there's a um, the Madonna, the like the big, the old, like that oldest Madonna figure. There's like a small, like little Madonna figure. Oh. So there's yeah. So we got a lot. We got a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, that That'll sounds amazing. What was the inspiration for Battle Royale? Or? Uh, the battle. The inspiration for Battle Royale was that I didn't want to judge uh, four oh, categories. That's what I was <laughs> nice. going to actually say. Like <laughs> nice. this. Well, th- this will probably make it at least a lot more straightforward. Yeah, this, this to... protects this protects my sanity as an <laughs> organizer. Um, and also, it's like, is it going to be... I just kind of want to test some stuff out. You know, I've been doing four categories for a couple yeah. of years. So it's like, what's it like if it's one? Is that too many? Is that not too many? Is that too few? You know, yeah. should I expand it? Should it be Should it be two? Should it be four? You know, like, so it just sort of like, you kind of don't know until you know. So I was like, I want to do it again, but I want to kind of see what happens if you do it a little bit differently. So. And I feel that's fun just... Unlike something like a contest like Golden Demon, this right. is something that is continually evolving and right. changing to kind of push people out of their comfort zones right. to do something different. Right, I think right, that right. Is so connected with Smash Bash. Right, totally. It's really fun. Yeah, it, it is kind of fun that you just sort of don't know what you're going to get on any given year. Uh-huh. You know, like the first year was just like stupid golden demon you know and then, <laughs> yeah, then the yeah. second year was like oh I should do like a theme like uh, you, you're all graduate students like graduate like graduate you know like graduate yeah. stuff like call for papers right like like I uh, you know like I just there's one that I always remember it's like frames it was like frame and framing framing the post something something for something something it's like a dipshit philosopher yeah, you know yeah. you're just like oh, I'm gonna submit a paper for this so I was like <laughs> You know, so I felt like minis could kind of yeah, yeah, occupy yeah. the same space where it's like, you know, what what paper can't you submit? You know, what chapter mm-hmm. of your dissertation can't you lightly tailor <laughs> to, to get to into the, in this, to get yeah. into the, you know? So yeah, like that's, that's sort of the, that's kind of the vibe that was uh-huh. like that I took, and then it was like, all right, well, what if you sort of like like pull back from the theme a little bit and kind of just like lean into the sort of just like. Do as much as you can, you know, because I know some people like to do enter into all three categories. Yeah. So I didn't want to stop people from doing that. So it was just like uh, infinite entries. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if that'll be for forever, but uh, yeah. for now, infinite entries. So yeah, please submit. Well, I hopefully it yeah really just encourages particularly new people who hmm. haven't been involved to yeah. like. Yeah. There's no reason not to like submit something. Right. Right. Exactly. Like whatever you're working on, like at this moment, like that would be fine. Like come up with a cool and interesting thing. Absolutely. That would be fine too. Yeah. So. Totally. Yeah. That's totally. Good. And we host like I host all the photos, so it's like mm-hmm. I know that some people like to go back onto the website. Yeah. And, like look at all the past entries, and you can kind of see them. Um. So that's like that's. For me, that's nice. I don't like, have to be on Instagram to like look at things that I think yeah. are cool. Like 
it's all consolidated. I don't deal with like Pinterest or Google or whatever. It's just like I can just go to this place and all yeah, the stuff that I want to see is that's there. Nice. And that's nice. How awful is putting together the pages to host and show? All uh, those it's images. it's one of the it's one of the things that takes the most time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I so think for on new the awful people, meter, hi, hi. Well, for new people, I think that yeah, that's a good place to even just start. Go right. back to some of the previous yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. And look through what people are submitting, the ideas they have, and yeah. maybe that will kind of give you some inspiration. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Catch a vibe, you know, just like look around, see what you see, and see if anything sort of like speaks to you, and then you can, mm-hmm. and then just write it and see what happens, you know, like yeah. I think that's important. Or even, I mean, just keep doing what you want. Whatever you want to do. Other, uh, otherwise, yeah. so not only are you finishing projects that you had wanted right. to finish, you're showing it off. Showing it, it absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. you know it's like the the impetuous is on you to come up with, to, to to justify battle royale. Yeah, uh, and I'll I'll tell you the judges know it when they see it. You know, yeah. they know it when they see it. Yeah. So uh, that's <laughs> yeah, you trust us and we trust you. So yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's so that's Smash fair. Bash this year for sure. It should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. No, so. it's always exciting to see another year and yeah. another Smash Bash. Well, so beyond Smash Bash, mm. like, do you have other things in the works that you're thinking about doing, wanting to do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to do a couple more tiles uh, for the board, I hope. Fingers crossed. So I'll probably do two, one or two more. Um, so that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And then going to Adepticon. Uh, nice. Teaching some classes at Adepticon. I'll mm-hmm. be there all week uh, for, like, the whole thing. Um, so they yeah, also find me, say hi. Uh, I got a booth. So like a like a seller booth. So like yeah. come swing. I don't know how much I'll be at it. I'm trying to strong arm other people to to, <laughs> to, do, to do it for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they will ultimately have to because I have to teach some classes. So I'm just gonna have to leave it eventually. Yeah. Um, so doing that and then there's like a a Gal- Galita Galita Jalita 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 event uh, open play that they're oh, running. That's nice. So yeah. I'm gonna I. If I have time, I'd like to build something for that. So that's what I think I'm going to do. And then more Vistarian, hopefully. Hopefully many, hopefully many more games yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah. And if we have space in our trip to Adepticon, maybe we will bring the Jalita mech yeah, that you yeah, sent yeah. Yeah, us there you go. There you go. Circle, circle of life. Circle yeah, of bring them back. Bring them back. Back Come to where it once was. I heard it was a real killer on the yeah. table. So maybe, yeah. it can, maybe it can kill some more. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's a beefy. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it can kill me. You know, that could be very exciting. To be killed by my own thing, I would like that. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> All comes around. That's right. Battle Royale, baby. Yeah. <laughs> there, can he, there can be there only one. There can be one. only one. That's yeah. right. That's right. Highlander status for sure. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for talking. Yeah, with us. absolutely, it's absolutely. To have you yeah, here. thanks so much for doing all that you do. You're such a great force in the hobby. I'm so happy no. to, to to know you and to have met you and to get to know you better and cool. to be a part of you and what you do. It's like really great. So yeah, yeah keep doing likewise. it. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Yep, thank you. Bye. All right, everybody. I'm back, Greg. I'm here with my brother Adam. Hey, everybody. And here with Chris and Cole. Hello, everyone. Greetings. Um, so, and oh, it looks like Bill just sat down. I'm just spectating. Bill's spectating. <laughs> so, I guess this is somewhat interesting. The two of you, you're um, twins, identical twins, and like the three of us, which Eric's not here right now, but wore identical triplets, so that's pretty cool. I don't. Not a lot of genes, but a lot of geniuses at this table, you huh. could say. I see what you did there. That's pretty <laughs> funny. 
So we're, I guess we're getting close to the end of day, day two. How would you say you feel about the event? What was your favorite part? I mean, in a word, tremendous, right? I, last year was the first Nemo I came to. It was the first Nemo period, but it was the first time I socialized with anyone in the space. Um, Cole brought me into painting during the pandemic, and I was painting all by myself. Didn't have an Instagram. So to actually see real miniatures painted in real life by other people, I think Phil, Phil's Minotaurs were some of the first I saw. Um, just mind-blowing to see this many people come to the same place. And, I mean, what a smorgasbord. Anything you wanted to do here artists right you got tattoo artists you got music painting kit bashing so there's something for everyone it's been unreal it's been a privilege to see how this um community has grown and i've i came to under the dice fest october of 22 i believe and that was the first time i met everybody and um, i think before that steve had done like a smaller event um that was just like an under the dice fest but to go from that to nemo last year to this one and how much it's grown and um, you know, how, how much the community has been given to and given back. I, I don't have like a singular favorite part. Like it's just been a, it's been an honor to be a part of like this movement. I mean, I, if I had to say a favorite part, it's just, again, getting to talk to everybody and meeting some new people mm -hmm. and seeing how cool everybody is and all the neat things they're doing. Yeah, no, the community is, is wonderful. It's good to see that it's continuing to grow and more people are realizing that the miniature like gaming community doesn't have to be like a singular existence. You don't have to do all of this by yourself. Like there are others who are just as excited about different aspects of the hobby and it can be really rewarding to interact with them, talk with them and sort of inspire one another. No, um, we were, I was playing a game with Gabe, Niall Nelly, yesterday, and I think we had some walk-ins because some real young guy came in, watched our game, and said, I don't know what this is. I just heard it was going on. It's so cool. Right? I've never seen anything like this. And, and he, he said that he felt intimidated by it, right? And he was kind of asking about, like, the barrier to entry, and he was kind of like, well, look around and pick your poison. What looks coolest to you and dive in and, right? any skill level or any discipline that you have here, it's under the banner of like this unique thing everyone's put together. And so, I mean, talk about fast ways of making friends. I mean, we're, people are sleeping at other people's places they've never met in real life before. And, you know, trust them with your life. It's like a brotherhood. It's phenomenal. And it's, it's sort of based on the miniature hobby, but this has certainly been a, you know, a renaissance of, you know, music, printed mm -hmm. art, traditional painting, miniatures, uh, I guess the art of game making so there's like this shared ethos between all these different mediums that's kind of gathered here today and it's a shared passion for you know I guess everything grimdark you know what's grim what's gritty and you know however you express that it's all shared here which is cool yeah and I feel as was sort of alluded to before entering into the hobby like you can essentially enter in however you want. You don't need to, say, go to a games workshop and buy $500 worth of models and struggle to assemble it all. Like, it can be whatever scale you're comfortable with, however many models you want. Like, you can approach it so many ways. Like, for instance, like Flame, Steve's game, Flames of Orion, like, very easy to play like you can go to barnes and noble and get one of the battletech little box set things for mechs 
That's all you need. Spray yeah, paint them black. Paint some highlights with some apple barrel paints. Hell yeah. Your mother maybe still has. And that's all you have to do. So, like I said, Cole got me into it during COVID. He called me up and said, hey, we're spending too much money on magic. Let's try Warhammer instead. <laughs> and so he was really like the one person that I'd back and forth with. But uh, one of you were showing me a squat yesterday. You said it came in a blister three pack and that's what your parents got you. So how did what was your journey like getting into the hobby as triplets, right? As multiples, how what was your kind of origin story, so to speak? Well, we first found out about Warhammer from a comic book store in the town where we went to uh, like elementary, elementary school. school and high school and whatnot. They had a big cardboard cutout of a Blood Angel Space Marine from the second edition uh, Warhammer forty thousand box set. I don't know if you remember him, he's holding the power fist up oh, in the yeah, air, yeah, has yeah. a yellow storm bolter pointing down at some orcs. Big cardboard cut out of that. John Blanche, John Blanche original. Yeah, John Blanche drew that cover. But that was in the window of the comic book store. Looked awesome. We went in there. Just tons of little blister packs of cool little pewter models. And we were maybe eight or nine, and we got a blister pack of three Imperial Guard rattling snipers, little hobbit-like mm-hmm. dudes with sniper rifles. We got it because there were three of them and there were three of us. And then yeah. I think we got a few other blister packs of like Space Marine stuff and didn't do anything with it for a few years really other than assemble them. But we eventually saved up like $100 or something together to buy the second edition Warhammer 40,000 box game. And then we were hooked with it since. We were maybe 12 at the time, so we were kind of young and dumb. And didn't play the game, like, rules-wise properly. To be fair, we're older and dumb now, but (laughs) we just have more money. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it was always good that since there were the three of us, we always had people to play with. So there was never the thought of, oh, do I have enough models to make a cohesive or a real army to go to a store and find somebody that I don't know and play a pickup game? There was never any of that. So we could always play against one another, regardless of how not right our army list could have been. Yeah. So I think that was good for us, that we always had people to play with. Because we certainly, there wasn't a gaming scene around us, or if there was, we weren't really privy to it, and we certainly didn't go to stores and play games or anything. Yeah, there were no games workshop stores close. I mean... At the time, the headquarters in the United States was close to Baltimore and Glen Burnie, which wasn't that far from us, but, you know, we were young, we weren't driving and all that, so. So I've got a a burning question here. The three of you have been on the scene with between the Volter and me and dragging the turbo lasers for, you know, I would say arguably before, you know, the uh, hive scum and under the dice kind of popped up. Um, how do you feel now having a a friendly or maybe not so friendly rivalry with <laughs> another miniature based uh, podcast crew? I I love it. Like I really enjoy their podcast. I like how um, conversational it is, and it feels like just a bunch of friends talking about miniatures and the things that they like. And admittedly, that's what it is. And I think to some extent that's what ours is, but it's three people that think basically the same things and sound 
the same, so I feel like it couldn't be as enjoyable to listen to as Hive Scum, because I think they're, they're funnier than we are. And I, when we started Dragged into Turbo Lasers, it was because, at least at that time, I didn't know of other podcasts as we're talking about Inc. 28 and the more hobby side of things. Most of the Warhammer podcasts that I was aware of were talking about the competitive scene that we didn't really care about. Um, or like lore. There were a lot of things talking about the Warhammer lore and all that other stuff, which, I mean, I'm vaguely interested in, but not... Not enough to read all those Black Library novels. There's a whole lot but, of them. <laughs> but anyway, it's great to have another podcast talking about that stuff. Because um, I don't listen to our podcast. I mean, Eric has too as he's editing all the episodes. Well, one of the things that I think is very valuable about the Hive Scum podcast is particularly for like newer players to me it seems like a very welcoming it has a very welcoming air where there are a bunch of friends talking about like oh we're excited about this now we just started playing this game I'm working on this or that and I feel like if I came into listening to that this was a new thing I think that would make me sort of feel at home um, whereas how would I think, you even find it Oh yeah, you I don't can't know. Can't find in Rust. We trust. How are you going to find their podcast? People have been finding. Discord's it. very hard to navigate if you're not technologically it's savvy. Sort of I, I can vouch for that. Um, but like, I sort of feel if you started listening to maybe our podcast, particularly some of now, a lot of them are we're interviewing different people and whatnot. That I could see feeling like, well, I could never do that, or like I like this is so far past me, or like. Towards that end, since it's a podcast and it's like just listening to things, if you're not familiar with the people we're interviewing, yeah, mm. you don't know what necessarily what we're talking about unless you can like the way to the their, guests you yeah, have, right, go to yeah. their Instagram account and try to look through it. So I feel it's maybe unless you're well versed and familiar with it, it's a little bit harder to maybe get as much value out of it. Whereas Hive Scum is a lot more just like hanging out with your friends and you can kind of feel like almost like a part of their friend group just yeah. by listening. And then also if you come to their events and stuff, you will literally become their friends. But <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it's, it's, it's an <laughs> infectious atmosphere. So speaking yeah. of friendly rivalries, right? I know you guys have been across the pond a couple of times. Uh, at the beginning of this Mordheim event, Thomas Piernan gave us a shout out to the group. It was phenomenal. I yeah. believe he said that we were... Biting at the heels, if not overcoming uh, Mordheim Italia. Gentlemen, do you have any plans of attending the world tournament that was announced as an impartial third party to announce? Perhaps cross <laughs> those borders and shake hands? <laughs> um, I, don't, I feel we'll, we'll probably eventually go to another Mordheim event, like, say, not in the States. Um, but we'll see... We'll see where that takes us and when that'll be. It's certainly a lot harder to get out there than driving I mean, a few hours. I would also say, who really cares about which is the biggest right. Mordheim event? Like, they're all impressive yeah. and lots of people getting excited about an old game. Um, it doesn't matter. No. As long as people are having fun and engaged with it, I think that's good. I think if we could get some of the players together from both sides, it'd probably be the most wild event yeah. to date. Some of the best painters. Uh, shout out Marcello, 
Ciao, Marcello. Well, I mean, what we'd probably have to do is meet midway on an offshore oil rig. That <laughs> <laughs> might... If we can get a cathedral built there, have a Vastarian <laughs> chain yeah. to the bottom of the ocean performing there as well. Very thematic, very appropriate. I think in general it's nice as the years have gone gone by with Mordheim, sort of starting, maybe not starting, but becoming more popularized with um, the event in Finland after 20 years of Mordheim. I think more people have realized, like, oh, we can start kind of creating our own events around, like, older games that we're still interested in. And I think more and more people are realizing that there are a lot of people out there that would be excited about that we type of stuff. We need to celebrate Gorkamorka. Yeah, Gorka I think that's Marka. true. Is that the next big up-and-coming? I, I know, mean, I've heard a lot of talk about it. It should be. I mean, Marcelo's pretty excited about it. It, and he says he can find those minis like no problem over there. Oh wow! It's gonna be un. I, it's really getting me to want to watch Mad Max again. Just get yeah. through there. Well, I mean, certainly some of the miniatures of that era were very cool. Like Brian Nelson sort of released a lot of cool orc models then, but not all of them are that. Are the orcs not. are cool. All the Brian Nelson sculpted orcs and Gretchen from Gorkamorka. That's when, to me, yeah. the orcs became really cool. I agree. Um, but a lot of the plastic orcs at that time, the multi-part ones, they are really weird looking. Um, what, throwing that thing back, all yeah. the way back with the big chest, big booty <laughs> out. Or they're or sassy. So, well, these aren't even. These aren't even quite that. These are. Yeah, those the plastic 40k orcs are super awkward. They're ass, but these kind of out that there, that like, uh, Kim Kardashian and, yeah. champagne shelf. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> the the plastic Gorkamorka ones, I would argue, are even more strange. Well, maybe not. I mean, they have more humanoid frames, yeah. whereas the the plastic orcs you're talking about with the uh, champagne shelf asses, <laughs> um, they're like. They tried to make an orangutan ape walking on the hands, but then it's like, you know what, let's just not have them walking on their hands. We'll have the, the legs like that, but we won't do that. So it's pretty weird. So yeah. Gorka Morka looks good. I'm really excited to learn about Vastarian, hopefully sometime today or sometime soon. What plans do you have for an event this year or anything like that where we can really celebrate what you're putting together? We're bad at planning events and stuff. Is there somebody who's good at planning events who may have their <laughs> big toe in the Vastarian event? Anybody that comes to mind? Bill Ford would be a good one. Bill Ford, no kidding. He puts yeah. on events? He does. Wow. They're good events. Bill, we miss you. I wish you were here. I love you, Bill. <laughs> um, I mean, he already made a board for us, a cathedral board that we played. Be careful, though. Bill's it. boards kill models. <laughs> Sixes don't kill models. Bill's boards kill models. <laughs> Brutal. Um, but we're going to be at Adepticon as well, or we should be. We'll have stuff to play some Vestarian games there. And I think we're hoping that in the future we'll have some other events. And we certainly encourage other people, if they're interested in the setting, to play create their own things with their friends and like play their own games. Like, if you want, you can tell us about it. We'd be excited to hear about them. But, like, yeah, we're hopefully encouraging people to kind of do their own thing with it. Um, and, like, they certainly have permission to go and 
play games, create scenarios, write lore, all that stuff. Like that would be great. No, we played a played a couple different Mordheim scenarios today, and I think it's just so cool in this space. I think people are coming up with ideas on the fly just because there's like this permissive atmosphere of whatever's the rule of fun, I guess. And you know, I haven't been to any other bigger cons, but not to be tied down to like old rules or like arbitrary systems and just really figure out what has the most enjoyment has been really freeing and really fun. Yeah, I certainly, Eric and I have done a bunch of play testing of different scenarios and game systems and stuff. And a lot of it has been under the guise of trying to figure out what, what at least to us seems like it plays well, is fun, sort of engaging. And yeah, because I know some of some of the scenarios, rule systems and stuff, particularly from Games Workshop, they're not always that fun. And <laughs> um, so I think there are a lot of different aspects from the different systems that can be taken and put together in a way that sort of facilitates narrative storytelling and stuff while Miniature also being games fun. aren't fun as a rule. That, yeah, that's Greg's hot take. <laughs> And I, I sort of understand it. It the the form factors of the miniature game uh, allow us to manifest the head cannon on the table, and the dice might change your head cannon a little bit or go against what you want. So you're fighting against your imagination. I can I can see that, but uh, my hot take is this one's pretty fun. I, I've really enjoyed Mordheim this weekend. I've rolled hot though. That's never happened before. So maybe that's just a biased. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of it can also come down to the people you're playing with as well. And certain rule systems and whatnot can sort of cater more towards people who are very competitive or something like that. And that isn't always fun for everybody. Um, so I think certainly here and the events we've been to have all have all been filled with people of a similar mindset who are largely there to have fun and laugh about tragic events in the city of the damned. <laughs> yeah, I feel what makes it fun usually are the people. Mm -hmm. But just playing like Warhammer 40,000 where you move some models, every turn you move some models six inches across the board, you do some shooting, you roll some dice, and then it just goes back and forth until it's over. Not fun. No, this is a very... Not uh, fun. I think the reason this is so... or one of the reasons that it's so fun is... Maybe it's relatable. It's silly. You can try your hardest, but you don't always succeed. Um, you know, your best day might be your worst and vice versa. So I think the, the sort of sh shenanigans that go on, uh, it de-elevates you from that platform of like a very powerful person to, well, I'm here and I'm just going to try to do my best. And yeah. I think that's very la relatable for all of us. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, one of the other things, particularly at least in classic Mordheim, it's very human-focused. There aren't really that, aside from, like, some vampires and Ratman. A lot of it is focused primarily around humans and how bad it is for them. So that is inherently a lot more relatable than, like, orcs and lizardmen. Or 12-foot-tall god... Warriors. Yeah, yeah. So I think that also helps. Where and also since weird, horrible stuff can happen, it's like, yeah, I, I can. If I was in this situation, I could see this going down exactly like this. <laughs>
Well, so do the two of you have plans as to what you want to do after this, like building the war bands, doing some other cool things? I mean, Cole, you've been sculpting and casting models in pewter. That's pretty neat. Uh, I was I was challenged to put together a uh, fantasy battle army and Whoa, whole whole world. Um, I I think third edition is uh, third or fourth. I'm not really sure edition. Um, and just kind of being being a little facetious, I said I was going to make my own army. Oh boy! And, and after casting or I sculpted and casted a skeleton, and I made about 15 of them to bring here to hand out. And I said, well, I did that 15 times. I could probably do that another 100 times. So <laughs> uh, it, I don't have any any hard commitments penciled down. I definitely want to explore Vestarian, the world that you guys created. Um, picked up some neat bits here to try to get into that. And I really like the, the bespoke warband size. You know, I really want to delve into that planet. And um, that's, that's kind of what I've got going on. I'm going to try to do some more casting and uh, get into your guys' new scenario. What about you? Uh, so for me, my goal is to have a painted war band every year for Nemo. Um, wow, that's cool. That's a good goal. You know, and from the financially abusive perspective, I like trying to collect the original war bands. Original recasts are fine, yeah. like legally recasted miniatures. In a thousand years when they dig them up, they won't know the difference. So I got two yeah. now. Um, I have Averlanders lined up for next year because it's only six figures, right? Nice. <laughs> Uh, but after seeing everything, I really got to learn to push myself past just painting what's presented and just yeah. seeing what these guys can do, try and put my own take on it. Um, I, I kitbash a witch hunter a couple months prior to that. I don't like kitbashing. It's very hard. But the reception of it kind of let me know that it's something I can go for. So uh, I'd like to paint up those Averlanders. But then before that, I want to jump into Vastarian because I think the kitbashing can really go ham there. Yeah. Uh, lean into, you know, I'm a flagellant fanatic, so trying to find <laughs> some way to bring them into the techno future and still look kind of rags to riches type vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's really my goal is always get a new warband in, try out this Vastarian. And, you know, honestly, I was kicking ideas back with Cole, right? You, you, folk, you guys are from um, Pennsylvania, which I believe technically is the Midwest. And so I'd really like... <laughs> I'd really like to make a goal to have some kind of Midwest Mornheim event in the next year or two. Uh, really try and see if we can take the Hive Scum um, and then your guys' dragged into Turbo Lasers footprint and see how much further west we can stretch and just keep the party going. That would be rad. That would be rad. Well, thanks a lot for being here and talking with us. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having us. forward to seeing you all again. Hopefully before the next Nemo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I guess you're all probably going to Adepticon. Maybe. You know, some of us. the only question people have asked me this week is, it's what are you running and then are you going to Adepticon? And I only have an answer for one of those right now, but um, I believe my wife would go to the Adepticon because the thrift stores in Chicago are probably amazing. So yeah. <laughs> um, sooner than later, I'd love to go. I'd love to see you guys and really see what this community looks like on a much larger scale and see how many people we can influence in the bigger scope of things. It would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, jury's out for me. Um, I've got some stuff coming up here in March. Uh, that may not be an excuse as uh, Steve and Gage know where my home is. And it, <laughs> and it happens to be on the route to Chicago. Yeah. So uh, they're much larger than I am, and I believe they could take me by force if I refuse. So yeah. <laughs> Jur jury's out, but uh, it's looking pretty certain. All right. Very good.
Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Everybody, it's Greg. We're back at the second day of the Under the Disc Dice Fest 2024. I'm here with Brandon all the way from Australia. How are hey, you doing, hey. Brandon? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a, been a pretty good weekend. Um, I really enjoyed everything that everyone has, all the boards, all the games. Well, so from all the way from Australia, how did you come to know about this? Like in Rust We Trust Discord, or how did you come to all that? Um, I think in the end it was Eric's... Eric Hobby Workshop's oh, video yeah. that he did last year of the Mordheim Invitational. Yep. Um, that was like, it piqued my interest of like, this looks sweet. Like, I, I love the, the, the aesthetic. I've always enjoyed fantasy. Um, and then from there, I think either YouTube or somewhere, you know, the, the internet was always listening. It was like, here's the Hive Scum podcast. Yep. And then from that, it was the in rust we trust discord and then yeah. i found even like you guys from that and stuff yeah so yeah i think it all started with with eric's video from from last year of the the uh, mordheim stuff yeah bill ford's mordheim event yes yeah, yeah that one yeah. That, yeah, that was very cool and i think yeah it's been neat over the past few years there have been more there have been more and more mordheim things happening yeah yeah and now that through like youtube social media all that stuff it's easier for people to realize like oh there are other people out there still doing stuff like that that i'm interested in Well, here's another question for you had you been playing mordheim beforehand or was it eric's video that made me like wow like i should try to play that as well no i i'd never played up until i I played a, a game by myself at home to sort of get the hang of the rules okay but this weekend was my first like official set of games with um with yeah. people yeah. hell um, yeah there's not a not a big community i found in at least in my area i'm still working on sort of getting people into it um so not not a lot of people to play with but thankfully yeah social media and the internet is just fantastic for connecting people across continents across globes and what Warband did you play with this weekend? Uh, undead. Ran a, yeah. ran a vampire, a necromancer, and then as many zombies and ghouls <laughs> as I could. That's uh, great. Did you do all right? How do you feel about it? Uh, two two losses, one win in the official tournament, and then picked mm. up another win after after the tournament was over in a pickup game. Um, wasn't too bad. I got routed only once. Um, okay. They they stuck around for as long as possible, but then I lost far too many, and I was like, I'm going to voluntarily route out of here before I lose too yeah. many guys because I got one more game to go after this. Um, any particular, like, really cool moments that, yeah... Uh, the, the, the coolest moment, there was a, a diving charge that failed, um, <laughs> and it landed them at the feet of my zombies stunned... Um, oh my ready gosh. for my zombies uh, to just yeah. devour devour them the next <laughs> turn. It was it was so fantastic. It was you couldn't have you couldn't have hoped for better. He was like, I'm gonna jump down, I'm gonna take out the vampire out the back, and he landed short right at the feet of the zombies. It was like Incredible. Tough luck. Better luck next time. Yeah. No, I feel with the rule set and Mordheim, it can result in some really thematic and horrible things oh, yeah. for the different inhabitants of the city. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it makes for great storytelling. And yeah. when, when you're just all having fun with different people around you, you're happy to tell that story and just be like, yeah. what on earth just happened? How did you manage that? And it's like, ah. Oh. Well, <laughs> does playing with the, your vampire count and stuff make you want to 
add some more things to the current warband? Are you thinking of other warbands to make? Or Definitely. What's, what's the path forward? Yeah, so I've got, uh, I'm planning two different warbands now. Um, I started working on it because I was traveling. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to bring sort of two fragile yeah, minis with me. Yeah. Um, I'm in the process of building up a Witch Hunter warband. Yeah. Because I like the idea of having all the unique um, unique models and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and with all of them with different uh, fit outs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and a Black Orc warband because I oh, played cool. against some Black Orcs and they were really awesome to see. And I was like, yep, I think I, I'd love to build a Black Orc warband. Well, so you, your current warband, like what sort of models did you use to build it? Like probably it's... Well, I, was there even a Vampire Count warband... Did they make models for the vampires back in the day? They did. They did because it was like. since that was one of the main warbands the they did. Um, but I guess for most of the warbands, they didn't really make too many variations of any of the models. So I feel now um, Games Workshop has released a lot of fantasy plastics and stuff, yes. which can slot very nicely into at least a bunch of those warbands, yeah. particularly vampires and I guess witch hunters too. They've been slowly oh, yeah. releasing more cool yeah, well, so models. So in that band, you probably didn't use any of the old models. You no, I, I haven't been able to source any of the yeah, original Mordheim hard, ones. They oh, can be hard to find. <laughs> 100, 100 to 150 bucks for a, a blister yeah. pack I, I saw online for just a That's, vampire and I was like, nah, no, I'm good. Yeah. So I found, yeah. I, I 3D printed... I 3D printed my Vampire Lord, okay, um, and my Necromancer. Um, he was from Highland Highland Miniatures from there two years ago. Okay, range yeah. they did for October, mm-hmm. and then I ran. I had the the Ghouls kit from the Flesh Eater Courts. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a few of them that I just sort of slap chopped and then oil washed over the top. And my zombies were. Old, I think they were Ralpartha, like oh, a white shit. metal single yeah. piece, yeah. one yeah. arm out, looking like they're sort of stalking forward. Yeah. That's um, great. Because I was like, if they get a little bit damaged in transit, the only thing that should break is the model off of the base. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything else I can sort of hopefully bend back in place with yeah. a bit of super glue yeah. to hold it. Um, well, did everything survive the flight over then? Yes, yeah, nice. actually. I was I was surprised I cracked the case open. As soon as I got Thursday night, I got in. Yeah. I was like, first thing I did was rip open the suitcase and I was like, Yep, nope, everything's all good. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm ready to roll. Right. Um, so That's good. United Airlines and Air New Zealand did a good job not damaging yeah. my suitcase in transport. All right. um, now I'm less worried. Like, the trip home, if they break, I've well, either got yeah. 12 months till next year or yeah. I've got an indefinite period of time. Well, so do you feel like you might want to try to return in a year? I'm, I mean, I realize I'm hoping it's so. a lot of money and a big trip to come over. Oh, look, I think I'd, I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to come back. Um it will definitely be on the cards of something I'd like to try to do. I can't promise anything, but yeah. I, I'll definitely be working on talking with the with the wife at home, whether she's happy <laughs> yeah. with me coming along again. Yes. Yes. Um, well, honestly, the first time my brothers and I, we played Mordheim, we flew to Finland to play. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's sweet. <laughs> so, for I, After 20 years after it was released, and yep. I feel a lot of the people at that event in Finland... A lot of them, this was also the first time they had ever played. So, like, I think it's cool that more and more people are hearing about this and thinking, like, that's a cool setting. Like, yeah. I would like to be involved. Because yeah, um, it's hands-off from GW. Like, it, it's still a yeah. Games Workshop game, but it's like you're away from their mainstream stuff yeah. that they're constantly pumping out. So you can just do what you want with it, which is yeah. awesome. That's what that's what speaks to me. It's like 
I don't have to worry about the rules. I don't have to worry about anything changing. Yeah, the one, it's very the one nice. rule book that you can get on Broheim. Yeah. That's all you need. And you're set yeah. to play. So, no, nah, it's pretty, pretty sweet. So, well, I'm glad you were able to make the trip over here. It was and worth coming. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, thank you for talking, and do have a safe trip home, and try to get some of your friends over in Absolutely Australia will. to play more time. Thank you, boys. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Keep on keeping on. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dragged into Turbo Lasers. If you have any questions or suggestions, don't hesitate to contact us through Instagram or leave a comment on our YouTube channel or on our blog, BetweenTheBolterAndMe.com. We also stream on Twitch every week and would love to hear from you there as well. If you'd like to support us, please feel free to leave a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe to our channel on YouTube and Twitch.